Clint Eastwood, the man. Iger, the mountain. A deadly combination. Sanction, a violation of the law to enforce the law. One of our agents has been killed in Zurich by two men. We want you to sanction them. Killing. It's what you do best. The target is male. He is an accomplished mountain climber. What's his name? We don't know. We know which mountain he will climb. The Iger. From the suspenseful international bestseller, The Iger Sanction, every character brought vividly alive. If you ever come near me again, I'm going to kill you. Jonathan Hemlock, collector of art and women, mountain climber an expert at sanctions. Big Ben Bowman, how much did he really know? Why the hell didn't he polish you off? The raven-haired beauty, Jemima Brown. For your information, I was not assigned to seduce you. Dragon, head of search and sanction for C2. I'm going to give you a bonus. Miles Mellow. I didn't actually kill him, you know. Well, I probably won't actually kill you. And George, the trainer. She's a girl. And unpredictable. The target is one of the other climbers. The Frenchman, the German, or the Austrian. Doesn't bother you a bit that you've blown my cover, does it? And now Montaigne is either hurt or he's dead. I knew that'd be death. It's playing that way. His lifeline in the hands of the assassin he hunted. Mountains, all the cops have wooden legs, all the bulldogs have rubber teeth, and the hens lay soft-boiled eggs. We're in the mountains again this week. Well, you just missed a uh, exhilarating half-hour conversation where we complained about how all of our technology is failing. <laughs> yes, shit in the bed. And, you know, we learned from the Galaxy Quest episode that we should probably edit the podcast a little bit. So we thought about editing, and we said, you know what, why don't we finish the conversation and not turn it on? Uh, so that we don't have to have uh, people listening for a half hour, us <laughs> complaining like 80-year-olds about how bad our tech is. Because we've had some technical... Well, Dion's had some technical issues all week. And then Blake related with other technical issues that he's had in the past. But um, we're back again for Kung Fu February, part Kung two. Kung Fu February. Kung Fu February. <laughs> we're back for Kung Fu February. This year it's uh, minus the Kung Fu, but it's still the February. And I guess the cat's out of the bag. That's such a terrible term. You know... Um, you think of all those Implying terms you that say. there was a cat in a bag yeah. at some point? or like, you know, I wouldn't treat him, you treat me worse than a dog. Well, how bad are you treating that dog? You know, it's so all that stuff now you think about, you know, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. It's like, oh my God, you know, um, knock out two birds with one stone, <laughs> you know, uh, instead of like feeding two birds with one scone. That's my little thing. But anyway, I <laughs> know. <laughs> 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 oh Lord! But anyway, so um, the, the cat is out of the bag. That we we were trying to hold it off last week with the Iger sanction. That we were going to do a, a, a mountain climbing double feature. It was going to be mountain climbing February, not the same ring as Kung Fu February. But we couldn't. We we got up to hitting record last week on the Iger sanction. Then we suddenly realized, wait a minute, if we start 
if we start talking about it being mountain climbing February, it was going to be rather obvious. Yeah, it was either going to be this or vertical limit, right? Yeah, you <laughs> know, <laughs> or maybe like uh, alive. You know, so that wasn't really mountain climbing; it's more surviving. You know, so um, so we then we had to like pussyfoot around it or dance around it um, last week and not talk about too much yeah. what the the plan was. So that's why it was a little lot of. Uh, and then place. I, I think I might have i don't recall but i think i might have hinted at that maybe this will be your tradition and then you were and the tradition what i meant was that maybe kung fu february will take a uh tradition of that we'll do two double like genre movies for february but we'll see and i thought i thought you meant instead that conversely we were going to do mountain climbing movies every february wow We're going to run out of stuff quick. <laughs> the Everest documentary. The Everest do- yeah, what is that? Into the Void, that other movie or something, The Void? Oddly uh, enough, a mountain climbing double or perhaps even triple feature has been in in talks. Well, that was the other here thing. Here at the Saturday Night Movie Sleepover See, headquarters it's for all quite com- some time. It's all coming out now because I think last week it kind of... I, it, it, Sounded like I was pushing to do the Iker sanction on its own, but yeah. the but the greater idea was that we were thinking of doing a mountain with Cliffhanger, the movie we're doing tonight. Uh, welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. I'm Dion Baya and I'm Jay Blake. Um, we were thinking let's let's do a double feature. We'll do Cliffhanger and something else. And I was like, well, I love the Iker sanction with Eastwood, and so that was the reason why behind it. So it wasn't like I've been like, yo, we've got to do the Iker sanction. You know, it ended up working out. I think out. the Iker sanction was a good choice, though. Yeah, I think, I think out of you know Eastwood's output. It being like a spy espionage yeah, it's kind, kind of, of play on Bond. You know, and last week I think um, we were talking about the uh, stuff doing, and I think, I know you were saying that, that you thought that the stuff wasn't as good maybe up on, um, that they got up on the mountain, and I think to defend that a little bit, I think it was as good as they could have got at the time. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I tried to. I tried to be kind to it. I tried to make like when you can when it is really yeah at its best. I feel like it's really great. Yeah, you I mean the this footage. Movie, when you look at this movie here, I mean they they were really you able know, to. I think I hope I didn't come off as like I was really trashing that that, that they didn't need to be up on a mountain for that. <laughs> I'm just saying that you know, given the limitations that they had, yeah. it's unfortunate because there are there are some stuff in that movie where they didn't really need to be up there to yeah. do that. <laughs> and yeah, I think a lot of that you unfortunately it's not something they probably realize until yeah, they yeah, actually yeah, done it already yeah, until the editing room <laughs> you realize what you have and I think it's I don't think it should be a conscious decision to compare the two movies but it's it is cr- um, thinking the scene this movie and that movie what's going on where twenty years later the, the amount of stuff they're able to do and basically they're I think uh, probably at the same elevation they were about twelve ten or twelve thousand feet shooting scenes of the Iker Sanction where they're doing that here in Italy in the Italian mountains the, uh, which is doubling for the, the Colorado Rockies Yeah. so it's amazing like you know uh, when, you, when you streamline it and turn it into like a crazy big budget action movie which you're able to accomplish you know yeah, uh, well, on, the, on the other end of this you know yeah plus it's like you said 20 years later we're in a whole different kind of almost genre, you know, where it's, this is very much in the action. But um, not just even genre, just like you said, I mean, the advancements in filmmaking technology yeah. made it yeah, not easy, but yeah. a lot easier than it was in the early 70s when <laughs> Eastwood tried to do it. I mean, Eastwood's going up there with 20 guys, and this looks like they have 100 people up there, you know, so I think that's where some of the, you, you know, know. they Like Eastwood, they kind of created equipment to be able to do it yeah but it was a lot of like motorized uh cameras to try to you know so that they 
obviously to rig everything, they had to put people in danger, but to actually get footage. So it's like a lot of this stuff was just like automated, uh, like automated cameras on tracks and stuff. I mean, really, this movie is is uh, at a beautiful feat, not of the mountain climbing photography which it is. I mean, it's it's beautiful yeah, in that way. Yeah, you get way. some beautiful vistas here. But, but, it, but it, in terms of... Technical prowess of yeah, what they were able to... like it, all the stuff that I keep on harping on every time yeah. we, we get an episode of this, like, beautiful section of the 80s and, and early 90s of celebrating the magic of movie making. This is a, a magnificent example of it in the non-science fiction fantasy yeah. genres where that stuff is really displayed of special effects. This is practical effects, camera effects, post-production effects, like everything to, in, in those movies, it's to make it seamless, but in a world that's fantastic. So it's kind of showing it off in a way. In the sci-fi this is action. A, this in a way is... Like aiding it is the story. is like trying to make it invisible. Yeah, hiding the tricks. It's almost you know, like sleight of hand. <laughs> it's like how I when I enjoyed Titanic when the James Cameron movie came out that like the CGI was uh, propelling the story as opposed to stopping it down and making it evident. Which I think, can, sadly, there it kind of also stops down because you you realize you can't get a lot of those shots without it. You know, oh, that has to be CGI because, uh, you know, that was the only way they'd be able to accomplish that. So it almost works against itself. But certainly, yeah. I've always enjoyed, I'm a guy who enjoyed CGI since its infancy or explosion in the 90s uh, it, as being, aiding the story as opposed to stopping it down and calling its uh, attention to itself. Yeah. You know, for the most part, I think that's usually. And this is certainly here, this is something I haven't seen since... I don't know, probably high school. I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen this. I saw it in the theater with my father and my dad's good friend, John, and my friend I bring up all the time, Martin, the four of us. We were, um, you know, the, we were then occasionally my second friend, Chris, the, the five or four of us would go to the movies all the time. And this was the era where I was seeing all this stuff in the theater. I was old enough um, that there wasn't an issue, uh, which was, I mean, established a couple of years. So, you know, since the late 80s, we were, I was probably seeing all these Schwarzenegger Stallone fairs in the theater. Uh, this, um, I didn't see Stop or My Mama Shoot, his two comedy features before this, or yeah. Oscar in the theater. But uh, I did see Demolition Man, which is, which I think is was released before this, but I was sh shot after this. I don't, I don't think so, but maybe. I don't think so. I think this was... was it the, the, this marked his return to like an action genre, I think. It was a big deal in that way, if I recall correctly. So it wasn't that it... Because I, th I know that they, they shot this before Demolition Man, but I thought Demolition Man was released before this one was released. Maybe because there was some sort of post-production on this. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he, he had done, I guess after Rocky V, he did like Lock Up. He did like Rocky V. And he's kind of slowing down. He did like Over the Top. And he's getting into the late 80s. And he's kind of slowing down so much on like uh, Tango and Cash. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I think, you know, the big deal about this movie and, I, and we're having an intern check right now to see the the chronological order of yeah. Stallone movies in the, uh, especially in the 90s. Mm, yeah, and then he did Oscar and then he did Stop It, My Mom Will Shoot right before this. So that those were two comedies with diff clearly different genre pictures. And he might have even guessed it on like a episode of... Uh, you know, like maybe an HBO show like the Larry Sanders show or something like that. Well, uh, what do you got? You, they, I know it's tough because they both come out in 93. Okay. Demolition Man and Cliffhanger. 
So we'd have to go further exploration to see like what, what the, what yeah, the what dates the, were. The, yeah, the release So dates. I feel like this was Memorial Day. Yeah, this was Memorial Day. And then, uh, which is, yeah, okay, because then this would have got beat out by uh, Jurassic Park when yeah. that came out July 4th. So maybe Demolition Man was later in the year? I don't remember, because I, I did see that in the theater too, but I don't remember what time of All year right. it was. Further. <laughs> we're going into further down. We're going to check the release date of Demolition Man to see what see Demolition Man is. I feel it, I have a memory of it being cold, although that might not be um, correct either. But anyway, so he's he's away from the... Because, I mean, I guess you think about the mid-80s, Rambo. October. Oct- Demolition, Demolition Man, Man is October, so that is l- later in the year. Yeah. Okay. So that's why it was colder. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. I mean, he comes... I mean, Rambo three was was probably a pretty big deal. Yeah, um, Tango and Cash, though, I think is remembered fondly by people of our generation. Yeah, I don't think it. I, I think it made its money back, but I don't think it was a huge hit. I think it was just a genre like installment. And I, and, but it was it was critically panned. Yeah, um, and Ma- um, Rambo three at the time too got some cr- criticism too, which I don't know. Yeah, looking but it's back coming now, off of like being the third of a pretty successful yeah, series. So course. whether it. Can be actually whether good it was liked or not, it probably still made a lot of money. Yeah, uh, Lock Up. I personally one of my favorite slow movies. No, but yeah. nobody ever talks about it, so I can't but imagine is, that it was a huge splash. But it is going the other way, though. That's kind of almost like you could probably argue what more a little more of a psychological Escape from Alcatraz kind of like a prison. Yeah, movie. it's definitely more of a drama yeah. thriller. Um, Rocky Five. I even then, though I'm sure made a lot of money, was even then considered not the best of yeah. <laughs> the Rocky movies. And then Oscar, which yeah. which uh, Dion and I, and especially Dion, hold very fondly, but was not... That's a comedy. But was not... That a, was a complete... I think, was a flop. bomb. Yeah. Stopping My Mama Shoot was a bomb. Yeah. And so uh, it was kind of... He was trying something else. He was doing his restaurant at the time. He's he's probably got it in with Bruce Willis and Schwarzenegger. He's doing um, Planet Hollywood, and he's... You know, he's done everything at that point. By the late 80s, he's acted, he's written, he's directed, uh, he's won Oscars. Um, you know, he keeps outselling himself. He has two iconic characters at that point, Rocky Bobo and John Stallone. Well, it's... Uh, it's John Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> John Rambo. You know, what's interesting, though, and I think we talked about this maybe when we did Over the Top, because I think that's maybe the last Stallone movie we did. Which was a, probably just under two years ago now. Um is that when you? But when you look at his, which Vermont, if you want to, I don't mean to intrude, but if you want to go back and see two guys gushing over some <laughs> Stallone, you should go back. And I heavily recommend. I'm that's very, one of our favorite. I'm very proud of that episode. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun episode. We get into like the auto car truck he's driving, and there's. I think I can make an even te- a tenuous connection in the storyline between this movie and that movie. But uh, uh, I digress. It's a great hat. Yeah. Actually, I'm wearing Blake's today. Wearing that. I'm wearing my over the top. Yeah, which he just, hat. which he had just got. When he when we we recorded, and I think you bought it after we recorded, and then you, I think you tweeted the picture the week it came out of you wearing the hat. Yeah, and yeah. I gotta or say, I ordered it beforehand, and I didn't get it in time for, for the record for when we recorded but it. But I gotta say, it looks brand new. It looks like you put that in a hat box every day, and then you yeah, take yeah. like your toothbrush so, and you clean. It's like you. you're cleaning your Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> Shine it on my. Yeah, you got Buff that. It. So um, anyway, so you're saying so? But it's a great. That's that a great episode. Yeah, yeah. And we give that movie. I think people that. I think it's people's tendency to really look down on over the top. Whether you think it's fun or not, whether you like it or not, I think it's thought of as not being a great movie. Especially if you haven't seen it like me. I hadn't seen it probably since it came out. I but, saw it once. But I think we do a 
really great job of building a case <laughs> of why it's now a cult classic for it to for it to get more respect than than it than it gets. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but cliffhanger. What I'm saying is, if you look at his filmography, at that point, he wasn't this huge action star. I mean, really, until the 90s. I mean, he had the Rambo movies, but there wasn't any other real action. Well, I mean... There was Tango and Cash. Well, I mean, he's doing he's doing Rambos. He's got... Uh, I mean, Nighthawks but it wasn't is not... Like, it wasn't like Stallone. I mean, it wasn't like Schwarzenegger. No, but he's... I mean, like, he's got... He's got Cobra... Yeah, you know, he's got like I think he's got a couple of one-offs where he's actually doing. I mean, he's definitely doing more. He's more comfortable doing um, uh, performance-based films as opposed to straight uh, performance to get to action. Yeah, I'm just. You know? I'm and just then, saying. Schwarzenegger's also. I'm just saying it was out. like the '90s was like really solidified him as a huge action star. I mean, of course, the Rambo movies were huge, and he was great in them. And those are not those are nonstop action. Cobra, sure. I mean, I guess an action movie. I mean, it's a cop thriller. Yeah. With a little more action than, say, Dirty Harry. Yeah. Or French Connection, but it's definitely trying to be in that vein with of a course. little more of a little more of a, an action slant to it and of course Tango and Cash is a bit of a a parody in some ways of a cop action movie yeah but like he you know he hadn't he didn't have you know like he had his Rambo but he didn't have you know still, uh, Schwarzenegger had like Commando and Predator well he and was Terminator see that's another thing Conan we have to know? remember the, 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 the progression of the of the uh, of the of them as um Stars or the, in their careers, where Stallone got started. I mean, they kind of got started around the same time, but Schwarzenegger's doing like Escape uh, Hercules in New York, or he's doing like the last, uh, the Hard Goodbye, or the the Long Goodbye, the Robert Altman movie. He's Schwarzenegger showing up in these bit roles like Stay Hungry or, or Pump and Iron, where Stallone does a couple Roger Corman pictures like uh, Capone, or he does Death Race. Yeah, but then then maybe arguably that film that could be an x-rated film whatever but then he kind of early on gets what is it with rocky kind of and you know once he hits rocky i forget what's before that he kind of makes a name for himself and then from there on he's doing like you know uh he he direct he does rocky 2 he directs that staying alive he directs yeah uh, well right after nighthawks uh paradise alley is his directorial debut so by the time you get to the 80s yeah the the early 80s where he's like almost rambo 2 that's when schwarzenegger's only really coming to age with the Conans and into the Terminator. So by the late 80s, it's almost Schwarzenegger's like can make a name for himself. So he's shitting out. He's doing like you're saying, Commando, Raw Deal, uh, you know, Red Red Heat, uh, Predator. You know, he's just throwing them out every year. He's putting like one or two out, you know. So very quickly, he's got a whole, you know, uh, a a canon of films. It's interesting because it's not until the 90s that Schwarzenegger starts to do things like Jingle All the Way or Well like when's Twins? That's nineteen ninety maybe? 91? Yeah. yeah. So it's like then he's got twins and he and kindergarten cop, yeah. which is kind of has ham action, but you know, that's starts a good com- to, yeah, it's a good comedy showing him kind of spoofing himself. We should do that movie. Kindergarten sometime. cop. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Especially the beginning, his look in the opening when he's got like a I think he's got like a goatee and sunglasses. You've never seen him in that look before. I right? actually was watching Twins yesterday. Oh, it was on it was on TV. Forty years. Yeah. I've never seen that at the movies. But anyway, yeah. my point is only like 
it wasn't, it's not until the 90s that Stallone really solidifies himself as like the huge action star because then you have this is like the beginning yeah. of it. You I would this, argue that people, Demolition Man, it's Judge Dredd, yeah. uh, Assassins. I mean, I would argue that by the mid '80s, people are looking. The biggest action stars were Eastwood and Chuck Norris. They're taking a back seat. People are readily thinking of Stallone yeah, and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But to what you're saying is that he's really putting when out you really look at bona fide action pictures. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at like, what I'm saying is like when you look at his output. Yeah. You you know the Rocky movies aren't action movies. No. No. You know Lockup's not an action movie. No. You know Rhinestone was. <laughs> no 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 no. Paradise Alley. <laughs> you know I'm saying I'm just yeah. saying, like it wasn't until he was like, okay, they really don't want to see me in anything else but action movies. Yeah. And Rocky movies that he was just like kind of bit that bullet and was like, all right for like the next 10 years I'm yeah. just gonna cough up. I'm just gonna shit out a bunch of and they were all movies. hits up until Driven which is teens him up again with his director Rennie Harlan he did uh, Driven in they 2002 they were hits but I remember in the at the time like a lot of them weren't making a lot of money here because there was a big story on like Entertainment Tonight and the story I remember it like it was, I remember it like it was yesterday <laughs> <laughs> as I stroke my beard yeah. uh, he, t- he takes a thing of his pipe that it was like Stallone's movies aren't as big, aren't huge here. Yeah, I mean they were making their money. I mean they were they're making money, but they weren't like these huge. But he was at the time the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Yeah, and so there was this big like, why is he being paid so much when his movies aren't the biggest hits? And it turned out his movies maybe weren't the biggest hits here, but his fucking movies were huge overseas, like in Asia and Europe. Like so, I mean they were I think, eating up that. I, they were I eating that up. You know, so much is made of the American box office here in reporting since starting in the 80s that I think we forget to realize that there's a whole other yeah. business the world of international there. distribution. Yeah, and I think we slowly, I feel like for years, uh, uh, Hollywood or America's output really didn't care. That was only just, you know, we won't care how it really does overseas where it's only recently now, the past 10 to 20 years we're actively making choices of how will like a Transformers or a Wonder Woman play overseas you're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. actively thinking oh the, you know so it is interesting that uh, and this is also the tail end of that action craze I mean you know you start in the 70s with uh, more thrillers or cop movies or semi action movies to the 80s where you have that action exploitation um, cliffhanger kind of almost like is putting a cap on the era because soon after this is Memorial Day 93 July 4th, 93, Jurassic Park comes out and completely flips the script and turns everybody's eyes open to CGI fully that we saw with Terminator 2. So you still get kind of different action movies in the 90s. You get the assassins, the specialists, where it's a little more of a plot. You know, you have to follow all of the intrigue. And then, you know, I'd say up until like 96 or 97 when Stallone or Schwarzenegger releases Eraser, I think for me personally, Eraser is kind of like the last yeah, it's like acceptable. The, it's the last Mohegan. <laughs> you know, yeah, because I saw Eraser in the theater, was really into Eraser, but that's pretty late. But then by the time you and I both went to college and you get around that area, this is all pre-9-11, uh, you know, it's starting to tire out. The the sixth, the sixth man with, um, it's kind of like almost like a retelling of a Total Recall kind of with Schwarzenegger. That was kind of, eh, yeah, you know, the last. that horror one. Yeah, End of Days. Which did was, we see that at the movie we together? Did. That's another one for a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you were trying to figure out what we saw in the theaters together. And that movie had such potential, such great casting, but then it's like, you're like, what? You yeah, know, End yeah. of Days. So it's, that's they're all trying to do different kind of things. So 
you know, because I think people are just kind of getting tired of it. At the same time, you have the, I wouldn't call them B-movie actors, but you have the other uh, avenues of Hollywood being filled up with Van Damme and with uh, with Seagal and with, um, by that time, uh, you know, even Dolph Lundgren is doing, you know, there's you have so many, Brandon Lee, there's people coming out filling, Hong Kong cinema comes here in the mid-90s with John Woo and, and uh, Chow Young-Fat and, uh, you know, I started just naming Remy Martin and, and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so it's just, it's, you know, it it gets it hard, and then it, you know it, it's yeah it just goes on and on. So yeah. so this is kind of almost like a, putting a a tent in the ground, like of almost like a like a like a like a pin in a map, where it's almost like near the end. You know I don't know I don't even know if this this could be not it's even the beginning the of the end. Yeah, and that's not in, in, in any way judging this. It's just people of that tastes era are, of yeah, movies. I'm tastes not, are changing. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I personally. We're changing. I'm a big, no, but I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of this movie. I like yeah. this movie. You know, it's interesting to have Iger sanction in this movie, kind of back to back, because I don't know. I, presuming, but uh, you know, Dion can correct me. I would assume that like Iger sanction would be your favorite of a mountain climbing action thriller type movie. Uh yeah, I guess. Um, because and, it's, and cause it's weird because they're two different movies. But also, it, it what's, separates what, our, situ- our personalities. What's, well, what's, well, not yeah. Well, there's that, but there's also like this would be mine. Yeah, like Stallone. It would be my equi- is my equivalent to your Eastwood. <laughs> I will show you my Eastwood <laughs> and give you your Stallone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, when I, growing I, up, I was an Eastwood guy, and then growing up, Blake was a Stallone guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? So. And we loved it, Schwarzenegger just as oh, much. Oh yeah, we liked. I mean, we we liked and Seagal you know, and all those guys and Norris. We liked all that stuff, yeah. but like he would, but Stallone was the guy that I really. Yeah. And also, it's also interesting that out of that type of actor, Stallone and Eastwood are also the two filmmakers yeah. of of that, like yeah. the most filmmakers. You know, they they both directed. Stallone's a huge screenwriter. You know, he's more of a. He's probably screen. Well, that's wrote, what people don't realize. He wrote yeah. most most of the movies. He, whether he, whether he originated the idea or just reworked the script, he like this for instance. He wrote like eight drafts of the script before yeah. they make it. Um, and he wrote for people who don't know, which we also did a podcast on. He wrote Rocky. He wrote. Um, he wrote and maybe directed Rocky too. I know he directed. He Rocky directed. Too. All of the Rockies, except for the first one and the fifth one. Yeah, and uh, and the Creed movies. And then he's you know so he's writing stuff. He might have even written Cobra. He's he's or maybe even Rambo two. So he's writing. He's shitting out these. Well, with- he's definitely like I said. I don't know how many of those movies that he was in that he originate that the idea originate with him. But he basically he has screenwriting credit on almost all of his output. Yeah, when he gets when he gets on 90s. when he gets on board with the project, he'll have a cut at the draft because he's also that's an idea like Eastwood, where Eastwood would also know. You know, it's from Magnum Force. He's what says a man has to know his limitations. So you kind of know as an actor what you're capable of, and then you can kind of curtail a movie or a property around what you'll be good at in it. Eastwood would say, you know, I could say a uh, instead of a paragraph of dialogue, I can say it with a look. Same McQueen would say the same thing. So it's like, so you you you're kind of smart with what you take or how you tinker a script. And I feel like you like you're saying Stallone will get a writing credit on this stuff because Stallone will actually go in there, you know, in front of his keyboard and be like. <laughs> you, know. you know, well, it's like, he, you know, most famously, uh, First Blood, for instance, and obviously we'll get way deeper into it when eventually when at some point Rambos, when we get yeah. to the Rambo movies. Uh, but in the book and in the original versions of the script, he's really just like this killing machine. Yeah. And Stallone was the one that was like, yeah, yeah that's nice, but, uh, you know, why don't we make him a sympathetic, yeah. you know, give him heart and, yeah. and really make the audience feel 
feel yeah. like why would they care about this that's, guy that's, killing people yeah it's like last week with the Iker sanctions like the, the, the lead character in the book really had not aside from duty and getting paid he had really no motivation to go on that mountain where we in this Eastwood script it's like oh his best friend is killed and yeah. that's when he's revealed uh, by the way I got the sequel to that in the mail the Lou sanctions nice. I'm really excited it looks exactly the same and we it's st- all when we start the Saturday night uh, <laughs> could be sequels or novel <laughs> Saturday night move, uh, book, book club, book club. <laughs> we'll do the Lou sanction the uh, <laughs> hemlock future because they're original so it's exciting they have similar colors and, and it's a year later like you remember Cliff uh, you remember Iger sanction now you have the Lou sanction it's like ooh I'll say I get it already but that goes back to last. I do love this movie. Yeah, I. It is probably. It's tough because there's so many Rocky movies, and uh, so little time, <laughs> and so so many Rocky movies. And you know, Rambo is a pretty big. Uh, you know, there's four Rambo's. Yeah, a couple going on five now. Yeah. Uh, so if you're gonna rank like your favorite Stallone movies, it's tough because there's so because the guy you got some big chunks of franchise right there uh, but yeah. it's definitely in my top tier of Stallone movies it's by far my favorite of his like late 80s to early 90s output you know and it's um, interesting because you don't want in any way kind of poo poo on anybody but if you compare like we were just saying I guess the point that that but I that am point gonna, home. <laughs> but I'm gonna poo poo all over somebody right now uh, Stallone does kind of stand above that elk of of people at the time because he was directing he was writing his own stuff not to say that anybody else wasn't but it's kind of like he was doing a little more of like we were just saying that he was doing a little more movies that had kind of an acting or he was putting himself out there i mean he directs staying alive for christ's sakes to follow up to Saturday night <laughs> fever you know he's doing stuff that's like oh you know that's interesting i didn't know or he tries his hand at a screwball 40s comedy with oscar yeah and, you know, he tries his hand at almost like a not a naked gunish but like a kind of silly stop on my mom will shut, shoot which i in full disclosure have never seen all the way through but I wonder if it is actually good if we go back and look at it now. I don't know. Maybe you it'll know. have to be in a future episode. <laughs> yeah. of Saturday in Kung Fu February. You know, we'll have to do a, you know, like the Crazy Partners episode <laughs> of the cop movie episodes. We'll do like K-9, that Burt Reynolds one where he has the, the kid, cop and the kid. <laughs> Does he yeah, have like yeah. a little African-American kid? Yeah, what is that movie called? It's called like Cuffs? No, that's, that's Christian Slater. Um, but like you know, the crate, you know, the, 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 where that goes, follow that down the road. Yeah. But anyway, so it's like you know, he Sly is kind of a little more of a, he's involved in the meat and potatoes of the process. Yeah, I mean, I think most stars when they get to a certain point have a certain amount of pull. Yeah. And can ask and, and can make demands, and have things changed, <clears throat> but they normally don't do it themselves. <clears throat> you know, like. De Niro will bring in David Mamet to rewrite something. <laughs> yeah. And take everyone else's lines away. <laughs> I don't want this. I want this. But uh, Stallone early on, like you said, I think he's a guy. He's an intelligent guy. I think he's a smart businessman. I think he's a smart actor. And I think he knows his limitations. And I think he knows his strengths. Yeah. And I think a lot of the heart that goes into these movies, you can probably be you know, laid at the feet of Stallone. Like, I, th- you know, I think that's Stallone's biggest uh, contribution to the action genre is adding a lot of heart to his movies, you know, whether it be over the top. <laughs> yeah. This, is he, did he write that as well? I've forgotten that. I don't, I don't think, think he directed he, it. He didn't, he didn't direct it and he didn't originate the idea, but he did write 
probably what ended up being the shooting script for that movie. Yeah, and that has a lot of heart. That's almost like a they invented... you got to go back and listen to that. They invented an entire... Uh, well, I didn't say they invented it, but they put on the map and funded covertly an entire... Um, they created the, the tournament. The, the, the arm wrestling tournament circuit properly in the United States. Took it from like... Doing it like you know regionally, regionally, and put it on the map. Doing Vegas exploitation, like you know, like kind of like what uh, Vince McMahon did with WWF at the, in the early '80s, and still they did that to get over the top, like so that they buzz. have, so that yeah, to to build for this promotion, but also to have a tournament to shoot at. Yeah, so that's an actual arm wrestling tournament that Cannon put together. Yeah, ex- <laughs> unbelievable. That's why you see a guy's arm break in the movie, and it's real. So you gotta go check that that podcast that we did. We should. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know how many how many years are we in? Uh, 2014. We started in September 2014. So that means that doesn't mean anything. Five <laughs> years. It'd be five years this September. Maybe uh, this year, five for our fifth anniversary. Maybe we'll put together a great. We'll do a maybe we'll do a, like a, ret- reel? a retrospective episode. I'll break my leg, <laughs> and Blake will come visit me in the hospital, and then we just cut to like you know. Do you remember that time? <laughs> When you and then the, the, we could put all our outtakes in there too. Maybe we can all out, the non PC conversations. Maybe we can outsource it to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Spend a lot of to do a, a greatest hits yeah. episode. Even though we can, we're perfectly capable. Blake makes his money. <laughs> we're just going to outsource. Who's it. got the time? Yeah, exactly. Who's got the time? No, certainly not us. Um, anyway, I think that's about going to wrap it up. Yeah. for cliffhanger. So it was a very good fun time. Next week we'll probably get to like the people in it. And uh, Renny Harlan. Yeah, let's talk about Renny Harlan. Die Hard number two. Die Hard the Deuce. The Deuce, which I, you know, <laughs> I have to go on record to say that for years, I always shit on. I always liked one in three, and I always was, two was my least favorite of them. I saw that in the theater, and then, I don't know, five years, since we, I have no relation to time anymore, about five years ago, I watched it around Christmas time, and I was like, you know, it's a good, solid uh, sequel. Yeah. You know, it's fun. You know, John I'm, Amos, everybody, William Sadler, great. I remember seeing it in the movie theaters and liking it. So I, I had like a trajectory where I was like, I liked it. Then I kind of didn't like it so much anymore. <laughs> like you and I, we probably shouldn't have to get eaten at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not a great fucking sequel. What's up, Blake? <laughs> in the drive-thru, you know? We just, we, that's Blake and I used to do three in the morning. We'd go to the drive-thru, then we just go park in the lot and eat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's up, Blake? <laughs> Die no, two. Two's not that great. Yeah. I watched it a little bit of on TV the other day. Not great. <laughs> It's like you and I are just diamond and silk. You just say stuff. I'm like, uh huh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was around the time that you rewatched it. Maybe you were there, like, you know what's not so bad actually is Die Hard too. And yeah. I maybe because I rewatched it around that time too. Yeah, it was. It's, and it's, it's fun. Like, yeah, it's fun. You know, it has the same like uh, feel as the first one, and that's what I liked about it. It's at Christmas time as well. Has the same feel. It brings back uh, original uh, original Val Gleason. Who <laughs> you did? No, Val Johnson. Val Johnson. Um, uh, not to get too much down that road, but it's yeah, it's a fun you know. And he did that early Robert Patrick before Terminator Two. Well, he was he's a Finnish. He's from Finland. Hey, f- he finished he, already. He directed a movie. Unfortunately, I don't remember the name of it. But his first movie was in Finland, and it was originally supposed to be, I believe, a vehicle for Chuck Norris. Okay. And then Chuck Norris dropped out, and yeah. he made it. Uh, but it did garner some attention from U.S. distributors and and filmmakers because then uh, Erwin Yablons, I believe, who is most famous for being the producer of Halloween, yeah. hired him to do a horror movie in the early 80s that was had kind of been 
lost for a while and then got kind of resurfaced when I think Scream Factory, a division of Shout Factory, distributed a special edition for it, which I reviewed in an issue of Watch Video Dog? Watchdog Magazine. Yeah, I got them all. <laughs> a few years ago. Uh, called Prison. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An early vehicle for Viggo Mortensen as the star. Yeah, after post-Leatherface. And it's kind of a, ha- it's a horror movie. It's like a haunted prison movie. It was an early Sounds screen awesome. early screen appearance uh, of uh, Kane Hodder. Yeah, because I think he's in the he's in all the makeup at the end. Uh, Vor- Jason Voorhees, um, which would have been the same time he got Jason Voorhees. It has the uh, the guy who played uh, Perry and Perry Lois Mason? and Clark. Oh, um, yeah, who was also in um, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow that we did a couple years ago, the TV movie with Charles Durning. It's music by Richard Band and uh, another composer named uh, Christopher Allstone, both of which were on my podcast, Squirted at the Podcast. And I actually (laughs) actually forgot about this. Somehow I became the prison guy because I wrote a piece, a retrospective piece about the, the soundtrack for prison. In an issue of Room Morgue magazine, okay, like last year, yeah, because I think we were celebrating an anniversary last year. And uh, well, if you ever want to interview Rennie Harlan, you have, you have the <laughs> you know all these different tenuous connections of like, oh, you have so a lot somehow, of love for prison. I became like a prison expert of the, his over, movie, not over, prisons in general over the years. So uh, fond of prison, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street Four, yeah, Dream yeah. Master is a classic, yeah. Uh, I so he got he must have did prison, and then he got. Because the prison's reception or how it did, yeah. Dream um, he got, four, he got the into the horror realm. And I hate to keep self promoting, but I do anyway. We did do um, three. We um, did Dream Warriors. Dream yeah. Warriors um, going on two years ago around this time. Dream Master would be a good one for us to cover. Sure, you know, eventually every we'll, movie ev- seems to be. You eventually, know. we do of the series. Yeah, of that series, I think three and four are like the most sleepovery. Yeah. Well, two, I feel like, is very near the end at the pool. Two, there's a lot know? to discuss about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and one, I mean, I'm not taking away from these, the series, but, you know. But I yeah. just feel like those are so, that's, those are around the time that it starts to parody, it, parody, parody itself. Yeah. Which is such oh, that's like a good a, point. Makes that turn. Which is such like an 80s sleepover, you know, video store. Let's rent this movie. Yeah. Kind of fun sleepovery type thing. Uh, and then, of course, he did Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Yeah, with the dice, with the dice man. That's that came in one. That one, Which I believe. Does Terry Hatcher in that? It's she been may. so long since I've seen that movie. She might rap it. She might. And then uh, Die Hard Two. Yeah. So he's and then uh, there's something else in there too. He did between um, Ford Fairlane and Die Hard Two or so, or prior to this. That's but big. so he's coming. Had a pretty interesting career leading up to Cliffhanger. And originally, when they asked him to do Cliffhanger... He's got uh, long hair at this point, too. He looks like very yeah. you know, Eastern European. He looks like a diehard um, you know, terrorist. Because after this, he goes on to do those couple of movies with Gina Davis, and I think they get married or the something. Long Kiss Goodnight he did, which I remember being a good movie when it came out in, like, 96. He, and then he did another one before Long Kiss Goodnight, which is also... He did that, that pirate one. Oh, Cutthroat Island. That's correct. That, yeah. that kind of bombed. That's Gina Davis as well, and maybe Carrie Elway's, I want to say, is, like, the no, lead in that. it's like... Matthew Modine. Oh maybe? yeah, that, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, Carrie Ellis was a stand-in. <laughs> yeah, and that maybe kind it of should have been Carrie Ellis. Not to take anything <laughs> away from Matthew, Matthew Modine. Modine. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. That and then he kind of went and did 
you know, he did some television for a while. He had, he had an interesting. Um, I just think he's. I've always found him to be yeah. an interesting director. Teamed up with Sly again and Driven, like we said in two thousand two, yeah. maybe. That, that, and that, he did one of those versions of The Exorcist. Yeah, that didn't. That's the the the, the beginning. The, is that the one that the cut got rejected? Yeah, there's a Schrader did one. Yeah, Paul Schrader, and, and then, then that got rejected, and then Rennie Harlan redirected that entire movie. It's the one with again. um, what's his face uh, um, from Ronan that I met at the Palisades Mall, who has his uh, has his kids are now and everything. Uh, oh, uh, you know, um, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. I think he's in that Exorcist movie, isn't he? Yeah, because it takes place like in Africa. It's like a prequel. Yeah, yeah. he played Father Marek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, uh, he did that. He came in, and that's a, a weird story. That's a that's a that's a podcast episode <laughs> at some point when we get to the Exorcist. Anyway, I'm just saying. I've always kind of, I've always been very fond of Rennie Harlan. Yeah, not, not that I've loved every movie he's ever done, <laughs> but I've always thought that he. He he was an interesting filmmaker. And yeah. had like an interesting eye and an interesting eye for action and even horror and stuff. So certainly his action has in this movie especially there is a, a succinct style that we could talk about later that begins, becomes very stylized. That's why I almost feel like this is the beginning of the end of the <laughs> '80s action movie. You know. Now there's like a weird co- contradictory things about I think the origin of the of the movie. You know, there's if you look online, there's a lot of stories about how uh, Stallone had signed a two year, a two picture deal with uh, Carol Co. Pictures, which is the company that that, that produced this movie. Yeah. Um, the f- first movie was to be uh, a comedy, supposedly, allegedly. Yeah. Opposite John Candy. Directed by John Hughes. And this is something that gets brought up a lot if you look at lists of the most notoriously never made John Hughes vehicles. This is on there. It's called Something vs. Bartholomew. Yes. Uh, Bartholomew versus Neff, which is about feuding neighbors. Yeah. And then for some reason, and I, I was trying to figure out what year... Uh, John Candy passed away if that had anything to do with why this never got made but I would imagine it either has to do with that or has to do with that Stallone just had two co- comedic flops oh yeah that's true too yeah and he's like I can't and then go probably back to that right now. whether he didn't want to do it or nobody wanted to put money behind another Stallone comedy isn't at the that time a, a in inter- a row interesting uh, you know that's a subgenre of pictures like you, you know the neighbors next door feuding like you know there's the, <laughs> that neighbors movie where Dan Aykroyd and, and, and John Belushi switch roles and Dan Aykroyd's the annoying person and John Belushi's the straight man and then all the way down to like you know meet the what's the one with Danny DeVito fighting with Ben Affleck or uh, this, this Ben Affleck <laughs> or, well, isn't there what's the isn't there a Danny DeVito movie where he's fighting oh maybe he's fighting uh, what's his face from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Is that there's there's or 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 there's another James Gandolfini movie? Is that maybe the Ben Affleck movie I'm thinking of? Where there's like there's an argument. I thought I thought it was a neighbor. Uh, there is thing. a there's a neighbor subgenre yeah, for sure of, of people arguing. You know, and I'm sure it goes back to like you know Grumpy Old Men. We just covered a couple. <laughs> exactly. We've, we've already done a movie from that genre. <laughs> yeah, we've already opened that door. <laughs> so so that movie doesn't get made, and he then says, then he gets. Um, connected to two interesting movies that end up never getting made. Yeah, the the science fiction one sounds fascinating yeah. to me. And it's it's he, he gets stuck on this. Um, he gets connected to this this, and this sounds ripe for um, for that era of of early '90s there, where it's this sci-fi horror film 
uh, called uh, Isobar. Yeah. Right? That's, it, this is what it's called? I-S-O-B-A-R. It, yeah. It's not uh, close to Zanzibar, the uh, Billy Joel song. <laughs> but um, <laughs> get a seat at Isobar on the train tonight. So it's about, sorry, uh, we're a little wacky tonight and I'm drinking a beer at the moment. Uh, it's a, it was about going to be about a genetically created monster that gets loose on a high speed runaway train. Which and, sounds right off our alley. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you take... Is it trains? <laughs> genetically created... Runaway? <laughs> right off our alley. And we created just, monsters? We brought up um, Disaster on the Coastliner a, a couple weeks ago, the Shatner movie where he was doing all his own stunts. You have Runaway Train with maybe John Voight in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple movies about runaway trains. And there's even one with Dennis uh, Denzel Washington a couple years ago. But also, remember, what's his face? Is, um, uh, what's the guy from Gladiator? Uh, Russell Russell Crowe Russell Crowe an early genre installment with him and Denzel Washington was Virtuosity which yeah. was he was wasn't he uh, genetically engineered he had, he had it was basically they made Serpentor they did, I thought I never saw the movie but I think they took like the evil of you know Hitler and they took the brutality of uh, you know, I want to say he's you know, they, they they create him. He comes out of a computer. Yeah, but I thought something he was something to do with a computer. It's made by the same guy that did Lawnmower Man, and oh. so it, it uses all that. Yeah, that early '90s CGI. Yeah, but I believe he's some kind of. It's, my, it's been. I haven't seen that movie since it was a new release at the movie theater. Something like but that. But it was. A, he, I think he's in the computer, and he sometimes somehow gets out of the computer. Yeah, and he's able to fuck. But some it's shit also up. maybe it's just pre. Uh, these movies, but it's also like coming up on the era of. Like relic, uh, mimic, yeah, uh, the genetically engineered you know, CGI mid, uh, species, species, yeah, you know, which is kind of like that, yeah, alien coming Isn't down. Isn't she kind of genetically? She's made in a lab. Oh, I thought she was an alien. Is she? Is she? But I, maybe out of like oh, alien DNA, yeah, splice it together. So anyway, so there's this movie that he was attached to again that um, didn't have, end up going anywhere, and they actually see this is also gets into. The conversation we just talked about recently as well of, of the amount of money Hollywood would spend on a, on a, a script, a project, uh, or a vehicle that will never get made. Yeah. And people get paid out because then that falls apart and they bring on... Uh, to well, do one, a, they spent $400,000 on the script for that. Is that, is that that one? Okay, so they, <laughs> or is that, the, is that the next one? Maybe you're right. Yeah. So they, they spend four, $400,000. Not only that, but look at the directors that were attached to yeah, that they, movie. Yeah, they bring Ridley Scott and Roland Emmerich on. We're both on it, on it at some point. And it was supposed to have a $90 million budget. Kim Basinger was supposed to be in there. She was going to be Stallone and Kim Basinger. Sounds awesome already. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I know. The movies that never were, man. You know, and then they also, they brought on Joel Silver as a producer at the time. And this is a problem that um, Carol Cole had because even though they were successful, they were blowing all this money on either productions that either were f- successes or failures. And, but they were paying out, I think, all these money to people that even like if Cliffhanger ends up being a financial success, it doesn't make them a lot of money because all their that money they wasted all that money on the practice that yeah, they get made. They got to they got to throw all that money at their at their uh, you know, the bank or their creditors that they owe the money for. You know, so uh, Caraco's trying to do this thing. This movie um, Isobar ends up getting scrapped or put on hold for whatever reason. Then the second movie, or maybe the third, we should start an online petition. For Isobar to get now made, I, made. <laughs> all these we should have a site of <laughs> movies that should have gotten made now. Um, then the second one, which also sounds awesome, and it sounds like a half a dozen movies that ended up being made in the late nineties, a movie called Gale Force, where Stallone is a um, 
what is he like an ex Navy SEAL? And he, uh, there is a big natural disaster, natural disaster where it's like you know a, a hurricane Mod- fighting a, a group of m- a modern pirates. Yeah, on the during shoreline a, during natural disaster. So it sounds like what ended up well, I'm to say sadly, but it's like kind of like in 2003 with the Katrina in New Orleans where they had the yeah. flooding. It sounds like it was something like there was going to be this big hurricane described as die hard know. in a hurricane. Yeah, and it's kind of like you end up seeing. What's the Christian Slater Morgan Freeman movie where they're trying to rob the uh, armored car? Yeah. And yeah. then during a hurricane or a big storm with flooding, there's that movie. Then you have um, Twister comes out, which is, you know, that's cr- crazy CGI versus man versus nature. So this movie here, which Gale Force, they, they, oh, they almost put this into production. They, uh, you know, like I said, it was going to be uh, a coastal town that's battering battling modern pirates when I guess during the hurricane they wrote six graph they got uh, a guy to write six different drafts of the film between 87 and 89 uh, they paid him five hundred thousand dollars with an additional two hundred thousand if the movie got made um, they paid uh, Rennie Harlan I think three million that he kept yeah uh, uh, because to, to do the movie I mean they were almost in pre-production with this movie they had different scripts they had action sequences they were I think actually starting to look at locations they spent four Caracol spent four million on just different screenwriters knocking out different versions of this movie they gave another guy a hundred another five hundred thousand to write a version of the script so I, I wasn't keeping count of all my math there, but by the time <laughs> it's a lot of money. Almost that sounds like almost like ten grand. They oh, close to nor, you know ten grand. Uh, I'm sorry, ten grand, <laughs> ten mil. They spent like ten grand on this. They movie. spent like a hundred <laughs> bucks on all this and all the catering and all the spread for a, a cost of forty dollars. Um, they, they spent a, a good amount of money on this, and then like we said, uh, Randy Harlan keeps his money. Um, uh, I guess if Stallone got a, a, an advance, he kept that. So then, for whatever reason, they this doesn't get end up. They're like they're two weeks away before production, and they cancel it. So Harlan, that's why Harlan keeps his money. And then I guess at the same time, they find this script. Carol Cole has cliffhanger. Yeah, and they kind of switch. They kind of like move the production and yeah. the crew over to that. Now that's one side. Which is of the crazy story. because that that means you're going from probably. The, I'm sure they were going to shoot that. For the most part, in domestically in the U.S., oh, yeah. and then they they shift and they go shoot in the what is it the Italian Alps if that's right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if there's Alps in Italy, I'm, I'm my geography's um you know um they go take the entire crew to Italy to shoot ten thousand feet in the air in, in the, Italy in the Cortina de Ampezzo Dolomite. See, si. uh, <laughs> the good old Dolomite. But uh, so that's one that's one side of the story. Yeah, that's one story of how this. Came to be. Yeah. Uh, other sides of the story uh, is that uh, they had this script and Mario Kesar, Casier, yeah. who's probably who's the in chair, there. who's the chairperson of uh, Carlico Pictures, and she probably should be in the Saturday Night Movie Sleeping <laughs> Hall film for all the stuff he's produced. He goes to Rennie Harlan with the first draft of Cliffhanger and asks him to do it, and Rennie Harlan doesn't want to do it. Yes. Because he's like, I don't want to do another Die Hard 2 yeah. movie. Which, if that's true, I don't know why he would want to have want to do a movie that's described as Die Hard in a Hurricane. <laughs> so I'm just saying, there's contradictory yeah. stories. Maybe it was too how close. This, like, but, but then supposedly he met with Stallone, and then it was them talking that realized they he realized that Look, Stallone doesn't want to make just another die hard die hard action yeah. movie either. I mean, Stallone's a smart guy. He wants 
it to have a little more higher stakes. You know, he wants to create a more interesting character, someone who's, you know, and so it was in that discussion he realized that, okay, like the stars behind doing something that could arguably end up being a little more interesting than just like another diehard ripoff movie. Yeah. And so according to other stories, that's how he ends up agreeing to come on board on Cliffhanger and then Stallone takes that script and rewrites it something like eight times before they get to where they want it to be. Now, there's this other... uh, So that's how... That's two stories of how they came to this picture. Now, there's this whole other story going on about Carlico getting... uh, Acquiring the screenplay. Mm, They had to pay out more money. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently... uh, Let's see. Well, it was a, so they they end up first paying um, the Carolco the co- the company Carolco Pictures uh, pays five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Uh, I guess to these guys. Well, no, they ended up having to pay out. Well, he buys the. I think they buy the script from the guy who's marked as the screenwriter with Stallone. Yeah, because Stallone rewrote his script, named Michael France. Yeah, and then eventually. Carlico gets confronted by uh, two guys, two ind- independent producers named Gene Patrick Hines and James R. Zatolakin. Yeah, Zatolakin. And they say, no, no, we developed this script. It's a good alien. He's a Zatolakin, sir. We're being attacked by the Zatolakins. No, it's the Zatolakins. Shields up. Sorry. Because apparently they had acquired the rights to a novella yes, by a writer and also a TV producer, but who, who was also an author, who was a... actual climber, Who right? was a rock climber. John Long. Who had written a novella called Rogue's Babylon, yeah. which was a bestseller in Spain. Yeah. And... Big market in Spain. <laughs> so they say, no, we have a script that Heinz, the producer, had written with John Long... The rock climber. And so they say, look, like that script that Michael France gave you is based on yeah. this. And they say, whoa. And we own that. And then I think they threaten to either threaten a lawsuit or they do take him to court. And uh, Or before they threaten it, before they go to court, uh, Carol says, we'll make you go away. So yeah. they end up paying. But these are not the George Yeah, these are not for. the George you're looking for. <laughs> they, uh, they end up paying him $500,000, I guess, the two of them to go away. Uh, the, but John Long gets... A premise based on a premise by credit in the credit, yeah, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. And I believe the two producers get some kind of producing credit somewhere in the. In yeah, the movie. we're gonna throw a credit at your face. So um, the other thing with Stallone, which is funny because he talks a lot about, is that uh, like myself, he's kind of he has a fear of heights. Well, yeah. I don't have a fear of heights; I have a fear of falling. So, uh, and then uh, interesting enough, he says that like you know he he took the role because of his fear of heights he wanted to try to overcome that which I find crazy I mean, yeah. just you know I have a fear of dying so I'm going to just try I also think it's interesting because he I saw an interview where he was saying that like when he's in, when he was in character oh yeah yeah he could like get up to the edge and look down like he was supposed to but then the minute they call cut he was freaked the fuck like once he was Stallone again <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, so there's the interesting of, of method you know we talked about last week also I think we should bring up too you know we talked about last week with Eastwood doing uh, you know for the most part all his own stunts with the climbing and Eastwood at that point is in his mid 40s Stallone here same age he might be a year too older because Stallone was born in 1946 
which means he'd be 50 in 1996. So this is, what, three years before, so he's probably like 46, 47 when he's doing this movie. Eastwood's 44 or 45 when he's doing um, the Iker Sanction. But there's certain scenes, like the opening shot, and I'm sure it's some sort of trickery that maybe it's because of CGI, but that scene when they find um, Schwartz and Stallone, sorry, uh, climbing up to... Um, uh, what's his face? Who Michael bro- Rooker. Michael Rooker, who broke his uh, or hurt his knee. I mean, that looks so supremely dangerous. So, so, I mean, that's like the, that's the shot. That, okay, we wrap, we can go home now. <laughs> you know, where he's like free climbing We've without sold it. it. Yeah, you know, where it's like they come up from b- below him and they come uh, past him and they go up like with a helicopter and then you see him just hanging, dangling I want to say that, because most of the, the covers you see now, it's him like on the zip line. You know, reaching for the, for the girl. Yeah, but I want to say like the early posters, if I recall correctly, were like that shot of him on the rock from the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird because the posters that keep coming up here is a great poster. It's almost like a drawn one. It almost is reminiscent of over the top, that kind of a thing. Yeah. But I never remember seeing that poster. I always remember seeing like, um, you know, him like in midair jumping, or him like with the helicopter, or him like you said hanging on the zip line with the girl. Or him climbing up the side of the mountain in this shot, but this shot is very impressive. The, the the you know the amount of rock climbing it seems like they're doing, and then I'm also surprised that in this opening sequence there's this zip line that they have to get from A to B on. That they are really suspended over four thousand feet, and they don't look like they have a safety net. And then Michael Rooker is also saying that he's got a fear of heights. And then in that scene, he like stumbles back. And uh, you know, uh, you know, and 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 he falls, and that that scared the crap out of me. Even I grabbed Blake's thigh. He's like, oh, "It's all right." But <laughs> yeah, it's, we it's know just a movie. We, we've seen this before. We <laughs> I know he's not. Um, but yeah, so even the even the poster, the uh, the cliffhanger posters, him hanging off with one arm with no ropes, and and this is a movie we could talk about later that it gets a little criticized by by mountain climbers as well um, because the, the inaccuracies they say with some of the stuff in this, but. Uh, certainly some of the stuff Stallone's doing where he's like taking his like back leg and flipping it over his back to his front and like it's almost like he's a spider yeah. like a, like a, like an acrobatic spider in some of the scenes how he's climbing but uh, this opening sequence is really breathtaking this, the, how they captured it so here's the, yeah I mean it's it's one of the great opening the whole uh, yeah sequences for a thriller in yeah. my opinion yeah. like it is it is it's gorgeous yeah you know visually gorgeous it's it's it, the scope of it is huge you know seeing that in the movie theaters oh, i remember epic. was um and then the 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 stakes of it are huge right uh, the, off the bat the, the you know its effect on the main character through the rest of the, rest of the movie are, are huge it's and then the it's a masterwork of uh, not just visual effects, but also you know stunt work and photography. It's really a beautifully uh, you know if this was a short film, this baby would win an Academy Award. Yeah, <laughs> and you know it's interesting because I see how the intention of it is supposed to work, and had you not seen the trailers at that time, how it might have worked in terms of this is all set up. And it's playing against the audience's expectation. By the way, spoiler alert: if you if you have not seen, I, I mean, I don't think any anything in this movie can't be spoiled for its enjoyment. Yeah, but um, but it's playing against the expectation of of Rambo, 
and action heroes and, and Stallone's like persona as, yeah. a, as an action hero at that time and technically in this movie his character never picks up a gun he never fires a, I mean he's got a he's got a, that bolt gun a bolt gun at some that, point that apparently it's, stick around it's fiction yeah right? they, they don't really have <laughs> they, don't, they don't make the those batons into the well I mean at least for what they're using here yeah you know? and uh but so it's playing against this expectation so that the audience is like, oh, it's Stallone. He always saves the... He's a superhero. He's yeah. Gonna, he's going to save her. So the opening sequence is that, you know, um, well, we got past initially, really, we can get into all the nitty, the other nitty-gritty, but that's how the movie gets people involved. And they, they're like, okay, we're all, you know, they, they end up being um, on board. And then I forgot why they realize, let's go shoot in Italy. I think they just like the way those they recorded in Rennie Harlan. They searched like every mountain range in the Rockies in, in the and world, just, and they just those are the ones that were most visually appealing to him. Yeah, but I yeah, I guess and, and I guess they wanted because it takes it in place the in the Rockies. Yeah, in the narrative of the film, and, and supposedly uh, you know if you compare the two, these look a lot like the Rockies. So maybe there was an issue about shooting on the Rockies, or or maybe it was the. the the weather, or maybe there's better tax breaks in Italy because they should. Yeah, he yeah. said it was visual, but it could have been any number of business choices. Yeah. So they they go over there, uh, they shoot the movie, and basically what, what happens in this opening sequence is you find out Stallone along with uh, Janine Turner and uh, what's his name, Ralph Waits or Wait, that's uh, John Walton from the Walton Senior. They're all uh, Ralph Wait, yeah. They're all forest rangers, right? And and they're or 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 yeah I know like them work for like Mount Rocky Mountain Rescue or something yeah so they're kind of like and then um, Michael Rooker who's also works for them he and his girlfriend climb this high bluff uh, you know this this particular climb and she's not an experienced climber Rooker hurts his knee while while they're climbing so they got to come up and get him and this is the opening sequence where you see Stallone just doesn't even have a rope he's just climbing on his own and he's like you know in like short shorts and a t-top and, like, hey! <laughs> and then Janine Turner and, and the driver uh, Ralph Waits wait uh, um, Mr. Walton is you know is okay you know and then so Stallone gets up to him this is the breathtaking sequence uh, they grab a rope and then the helicopter parks itself on the other side of the cliff over on the other side, and they're going to use, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, um, take a, like a zip line and go across to get them to the helicopter. Yeah. And then this is where this opening sequence, and this is all in the first two minutes of the movie. So it's all very like, oh, we're establishing who people are. It's very kitty. Stallone's being like, hey, come on, don't worry. You know, it's all very I'm like, what a fucking girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. You don't mind, right? <laughs> it's okay. You know, you could tell she wants me too. Okay, and uh, Mickey was like, "I don't like you. I don't like you already." So, uh, and then what ends up happening is this: this uh, she's very scared. You know, he Michael Rooker goes first to show how easy it is. He gets over no, and it seems like it's a pretty hard thing anyway. You got to pull yourself over. It's not like you know, there's any kind of even angle where there are easier things to do. Yes. Yeah, you know, and it's a, and the distance too is pretty big. And then it's her turn to go next. The, the inexperienced girl, she starts to go. They get about halfway over, and she's it's getting harder because she's not a freaking climber. And she's like, ah, oh, come on. They're like, don't worry. And he, she wants to look down. And Stallone's like, don't look down. Yeah, she's like, I can't look, look down. At you know, look, look at, at me. me. Come on. I'm going to fuck you later. Don't look at me. Don't <laughs> <laughs> look down. And then um, her uh, happenstance, her rig ends up going. Yeah, her harness. Her, the buckle breaks. And, and, yeah. And... and uh, they had to put a disclaimer in. Apparently <laughs> in the in the credit sequence, at the end credits, there's a message that's, that explains that the black diamond harness used in the opening scene was specially uh, modified so that it would fail. Yeah, so that that the, the, that that whole uh, you know black diamond. So they didn't want to get sued. Yeah, or get yeah. So 
for whatever reason, the buckle fails in the harness, and then suddenly she's hanging there. Holding on to the harness. Yeah, and it goes to like 11 in like two seconds. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's uh, testicles drop to the floor. And then uh, Stallone's like, I'm going to go out there to get yeah. her. And they're like, like, no, no, go. Not, don't the go. ring's not made for two people. Yeah, I'll send then, my harness. And we don't have enough time. We don't have time. We don't got time to yell and all that stuff. So Stallone goes out like, there. You got to get out there, Gabe. Yeah, so she, so Stallone gets his ass out there really quick. And he's kind of right because she's slipping. I mean, at this point, even if, he got his, even if she got his rig out Look, there, she can't Michael pull Michael Rooker up. should not have had an experience. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this high of a... I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere on the top of a bluff. How does he expect... And unfortunately, you know, how would expo- Stallone, he was like, reach up. And, and of course, that's the, that was the only way she could yeah. survive this. But, you know, I'm sure her arms are fatigued. Yeah, her upper body strength <laughs> is not in this, even with the adrenaline flowing. And this leads to my next point is, um, it's it's not uh, it's not nitpicking. I don't want to sound like I'm coming down on this in, in, or if I say anything else. But it's just funny that they put up really unfair emphasis on Stallone here. The, everybody's yelling at Stallone, don't you drop her. Don't you drop me. Don't drop her. You better not let her go. And it's like Stallone's like, everybody, shut the fuck up. I'm doing my no, best right I'm, here. I'm <laughs> doing my best. You know, he's hanging down with one arm. He's, I mean, uh, so far he's he's not doing anything wrong. He's not he's not acting reckless, unlike Michael Rooker who brought his you know, sweetheart who probably hasn't even climbed before up to this, like four thousand feet up in the air, and uh, they're all yelling at him. And it's and it's of course. And then she's like, "Don't you drop me?" And he's like, "I'm not gonna drop you. Die. I don't want to die. I don't want to." He's like, "You're not gonna die." And then you know, and then all of a sudden, she forgot earlier in the day. She put some Vaseline in her glove, yeah. so she put her glove on, and she goes and you know, uh, she loses the harness, and then of course you've got his hand, and she's holding, and then all she's got to do is take her other hand and grab him and maybe get up, and the glove starts to go. And it's one of these situations where you know, and then it go, and then it's one of these things where, if I remember correctly, is it like a symphony, or do they do they slow it down? She lets go, and you, you walk. we always watch her go all down. The way down. One of the one of the interest. Uh, there's a very interesting choice, and I think it works beautifully in this movie. Is that in a lot of like the real destructive uh, sequences, sequences of you know action of gunfights and people being murdered. That sound cuts out. Yeah, it's, it's and all you have is music. It's this really stylistic choice because you know you can argue that it is, it's almost glorifying the violence, or you can argue that it's almost like when it's the ultra violence and it's shocking, it turns into like this kind of like you know, uh, like I guess in in the experience, you know, maybe also other sound will go away. And all, yeah, you know? yeah. So in a lot of the over the top sequences or or the really. Uh, messed up or whatever sequences this happens or the stylistic choices the sound effects go away the machine gun fire whatever and you get this kind of like uh, you know the Trevor Jones orchestration comes over and this might be a sequence when she drops and she falls there might be like a minute there of silence yeah but we follow her down and it's like we're just it's not like we dissolve you know and then you know cut to (laughs) yeah Stallone's like you know and he's upside down She's almost crying, and then they're and like looking at yeah, him. He's watching. We get his POV, so she see we see her falling away from him, and then yeah. we get like the profile shot where we see the person let go of the, and starts to fall. Motion, and, then, and then we get like the dummy they drop, and then they had like a puppy before. She had like a stuffed puppy that probably Michael Rooker gave to her yeah. when he got up there. That fell first, so we got like the idea of how far of their act the drop is. So then the the scene ends, and it comes to eight months later. And everybody's still mad at Stallone. But, you know, this is a, a perfect example of the the glory of movie magic in this movie. That all those things, you know, the gr- like using green screen, which is really well done. Yeah, a lot of it you can't even notice. 
you know, of the, the shot of when we see her face as she's falling away from Stallone, his POV, she's falling into like a, a green screen mat in a, stu- in a studio somewhere. Uh, Which we just, we just had somebody do that. Didn't we have somebody fall from something and we're like, oh, how did they do? I mean, it was Die Hard with Alan Rickman yeah. dropping him like, you know, 40 feet or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you know, just a beautiful. Well, the whole sequence construction of you know, editing, camera work, post effects, uh, music. Yeah, you know, it's just it's a beautiful piece of uh, a be- beautifully executed piece of cinema. And in it's my opinion. Hi- yeah, and it's highly effective for the fourteen year old or the thirteen year old that Blake and I were in there. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, what? you know, it grabs you, and this is this is the first ten minutes of the movie, so it gets you right in. You, you get invested almost immediately. You, he becomes a sympathetic character, Stallone. But also, what I was getting at before is playing against this expectation of like Stallone is not would never drop somebody in yeah. a movie but at the same time it's like killing Janet Lee half hour in spoiler you alert. do see shades of this scene in those original theatrical trailers yeah so that's a way of like that's the, the old days though, the intention no one... the intention of the filmmakers can be completely spoiled by the promotion of the movie yeah and it's weird because growing up I, that never bothered me because I never felt like I was piecing together what I was seeing. Well, nowadays I can like, oh, that's spoiling it for me. Oh, that's oh, that ruins it yeah. for me. But like back then I was just like, like it was seeing just a, porn, you seeing know? a trailer and just be like, this probably just showed me everything worthwhile in that movie. Yeah, I hear all the jokes are in this movie, or all the action sequences. So it's just hard that yeah, when you do watch the trailer, the trailer does spoil the crap out of it. Uh, and we'll, we can talk about the trailer later for some other reasons. So ten minutes <laughs> in, you you've set the movie up. So it's eight minutes later. Um, it, this is my joke about him. He, Stallone is no longer climbing. He he's gone away from doing the the uh, mountain rescue Mitch stuff. Yeah, he's got some job in Denver, but we don't know what it is. Yeah, my thing is, I think he's driving the truck. You know, and, and over the top. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's, 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 started, he's been trucking. He started trucking. Yeah. He, he's got an illegitimate, he's got not illegitimate son, but a son that Janine Turner doesn't know about. Yeah, that's over <laughs> in California that he had to go and help kids graduate and they had this big journey to, you know. For those eight months for. <laughs> see? Yeah. <laughs> when he had to go pick up his son and take it to the funeral. Yeah. And then he took him to the funeral of the other. Or the, not the funeral, but to go see his mother. Yeah. And then that whole other thing that was happening in Vegas. And then as soon as he's done with Vegas, he high fives the kid, gets the new truck and he's like I gotta go do this and he comes back to you know so then this movie picks up where this that's complete <laughs> speculation on our part that's where you fit in over the top into this character he changes his name to Hawk yeah um He's coming back here, and why is he coming back here? What was the motivate? He's coming he back. Wants ba- he comes back for Janine. He wants Janine Turner to come with him. To, yeah, he loves you. And he's like, look, I set up a life for myself, and I and my life's not complete. Without you, baby. You've been gone for eight months. You know, and I know during the eight minutes I was gone, you were a pilot up in Alaska and we got involved with a with a with a with an out of uh with a fish out of water uh Jewish doctor who was new to town, uh in a little show called Northern Exposure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh you're back. <laughs> and I'm and I'm coming back for you, and I, let's leave our my trucking days behind. <laughs> and and your Alaska, yeah, your Alaska pilot days. And uh, and she's like, but I got this awesome <laughs> cabin overlooking. I just got a horse. Yeah, look at this horse. This is its name's Trigger or or Apple. And he's and she's like, look at the, and look, I, I made this awesome nice thing so the horse can get corralled into where I feed him. And 
And expectantly, she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if, I mean, they must have well, been an item. she thinks he's coming back. And then so like, to work again. you're back. And yeah. she's like, oh, you're not back, are you? Yeah. And then we're setting the table, too. We're rounding out the office is Michael Rooker, who's still holding a grudge. And he's, he's feel, I feel That's a, little, a little, little selfish. It's a little selfish. You know? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how I'd feel, but I would like to think that if you dropped my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, while you were trying to save her life, yeah. that I would not hold it against you. In that situation. But uh, who so, knows? Yeah. Maybe Stranger that, things would, that would be the end of Saturday Night Movies. I dropped your girlfriend over a high wire. I don't know why we went mountain climbing. Um, and then, then we see it later on a dateline. <laughs> Little did we know. Or that other guy that's like, you know, he talks like this. It was your way to the line. Yeah. But little did we know he dropped his girlfriend. Um, so... Uh, we've got Rooker still holding a grudge, and Ralph Waite, who uh, you know is, is an abstract painter. Nice, you know, he's setting up. He's the fatherly figure. We all love him immediately. The patriarch of the uh, Rocky Mountain Rescue. Yeah, and um, that's happening. And then, uh, or is there supposed to be a climb happening or anything going on? No, right? They're just they're just like, oh, there's a storm coming in. There's a storm coming That's in. That's it. And then we also get we get um, introduced to a very um, interesting period. You have like your 60s, you have your hippies, and 70s, you have like your free love, whatever. These two guys, you have your extreme um, 90s uh, Pauly Shore like uh, fillings. <laughs> I guess you could see Pauly Shore you know? playing one of these and guys. These guys are like the extreme, like you know, they like uh, probably like you know, free. What do you call it? Base jumping. They like you know, snowboarding. They like all that kind of stuff. Surfing probably. So they live there. The, these two guys are about to go do. I, maybe I think they're base jumping. And they, they would be rollerblading if they lived in California. Exactly, and wearing like a, a tube top or a tank top, <laughs> one of those kind of things. And uh, they see Stallone's car. They're like, hey, you know, uh, hey, Gabe Walker, Walker, right? Gabe Walker. Is yeah, he, yeah, he's back. So. They they speed up in their car and then they get side by side and this this um, sequence is interesting because you watch and you know these guys are extreme and they're so extreme that the guy never once looks at the road he just has the entire conversation <laughs> talking to Stallone and it's like a, you know they're going around curves and they're you know they're like you know it's, but it's so funny but these two guys are like you know get an exposition out of them right what are you doing back in town and we do you know okay we're going we're extreme yeah <laughs> well it's setting up that he's been out of town for a while yeah. and he's back for the first time and this is on the way time. to him to see Janine Turner like, yeah we get all this and she's like all right see you later bro we're going up and we'll see you later in the third reel. <laughs> <laughs> and then they leave, and they're going up to go camping and up the mountain. And it's funny because later on they get to the top of the mountain, and I, you know, they're like, oh, "Are you ready to go?" And like, you know, they like headbutt or whatever, and they 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 jump. And you think they're just jumping off a cliff, and then suddenly they're like, they jumped out of a plane at like twenty thousand feet. <laughs> <laughs> they're like with these, and they're what are they? they yeah, base, they've got space jumping. They've got they've the parachutes. parachutes yeah. So and it's and they're in those very funny like early to mid nineties colors. You know, it's very very reminiscent of our youth. Oh yes, you yes. know, and all that that Spring stuff, which the, I hope does not come back into style. I, I was just about to say we should bring back that. Yeah, because color that's scheme. gonna be because eighties is in style now. You know, 10 years ago was the 70s. This is the 80s. So in a, a couple of years, we're going to have the 90s are going to come back. And people are going to be wearing, like, you know, uh, parachute pants and um, uh, elastic stuff like that and looking like MC Hammer. So we got all that going on. And then on the other side of the world, we have, meanwhile, at the Denver Mint. <laughs> meanwhile? <laughs> meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, at the Denver Mint, we have our old friend Paul Winfield. Who we love from Wrath of Khan, Terminator, uh, geez, you name it. Uh, yeah. We just brought up that um, 
a William Shatner TV movie from the 70s where it's a ghost on a plane where Shatner's the priest and they're bringing like uh, haunted church well he's an Englishman in that Paul Winfield and uh, he's there and he's like the head of the Denver Mint and he's walking around they're getting a uh, with him and Bruce McGee, who I love, Jack Dalton from the original MacGyver series. Yes, he's an, you know, he's a great, prolific character actor, which I yeah. never really. This was the first time he's in this movie, and then right around this time, he's in a Perfect World, Eastwood's movie with Kevin Costner, and that was kind of the first time I'd seen him outside of. I'd forgotten he's in Animal House, yeah, and then I knew him from the MacGyver years. So when I'm MacGyver ends ninety. 91, So seeing him in this, I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, look at him. It's Bruce McGee. Couple, and then shortly after this, he's going to be in Time Cop. Oh, Jesus. Which is one of my faves. Who doesn't love Time Cop? <laughs> that's another. Ron Silver. That's God a, bless who him. Doesn't Rest love, in peace. R- rest in peace, Ron Silver. I got some Ron Silver stories. God bless Ron Silver. Uh, Deadly. What's that, that movie I can never think of? Uh, Silent Rage. Um, so uh, we got Paul Winfield walking around in, in the Denver Mint. Is is what are they, they're make they're transporting a hundred million dollars in a thousand dollar bills that they do routinely, uh, and it's these bills are not going to be in circulation. They're going to be just used for like uh, paying off, like who knows? Yeah, like yeah, I don't know, Iran or, or wherever kind of Middle Eastern or whatever like shady stuff, or or maybe they're used for. You know, whatever the government needs a hundred million dollars and thousand dollar bills for. <laughs> what are they going to do with thousand dollar bills? Yeah, I don't know. but th- it's perfect. These these bills aren't going to be put in circulation. It's for like bank stuff. And the reason why they do this, they take a DC nine up. They fly is because, um, you know, a train can get derailed and hijacked, as we learned in Under Siege two. Um, uh, 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 armored car can get heisted as we learn in Heat and half a dozen other movies uh, what other way a boat can get heisted as we learned in Speed 2 <laughs> so mm-hmm. so Paul Winfield has seen all these other movies and is like you know we're going to take the plane you know you know what we haven't seen yet yeah. is that on a plane, so. <laughs> the plane yeah. passenger 57 I haven't seen yet <laughs> So, or that other movie with uh, Paul Suchet, David Suchet, um, executive decision. executive decision. So they're going to be transporting this thing, and uh, it's supposed to be a routine flight from A to B. Uh, an FBI agent's like tagging; he's deadheading the ride. And uh, cut to them on the plane. Everything seems normal, except you have the uh, you know the jet. This is interesting too because you have this like like this private jet flying near. Um, them and they don't pick it up on the radar. You think that everybody would be watching the airspace and checking, but they it's only until they have visual contact yeah. that th- that they see that there's a plane tailing them. And then all of a sudden, all shit goes loose. Where um, you think the guy that was the FBI agent that was just the the surprise to the to the cast, he's going to be the one that's going to be certainly I did since I hadn't seen this movie in twenty years. Yeah, uh, you think he's going to be the one that's going to like be the uh, the inside man, the inside yeah. man. Uh, and then it's another thing also is all the people uh, on the purview of this, they're all like recognizable actors. The pilot that ends up getting killed, I recognize. You know, yeah. all the actors who are playing like B parts are all guys who, you know, they're all great character actors of the era. Yeah, plus Bruce McGill. Yeah, Bruce one McGill. Of those guys. Yeah. Uh, and we have, an, we have a treasury guy there. What's, what's the treasury guy's name? Um, uh, he's got, I forget the guy's name in real life. He's the uh, ball-headed guy who's in, the, in this movie. He's the one that's the, the, the uh, insider guy. And he ends up... You know, oh, sh- Travers? The guy yeah. who plays Travers? Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Rex Lynn. Yeah, Rex. I knew it was something like that. Uh, Rex Lynn, who plays uh, Travers, he's the uh, inside man. He ends up uh, shooting everybody. 
and then he has a pilot with him. The pilot just coldly shoots the ne- other pilot. Like, who knows? Does he mean you? Like, that's it's always and these the other reveals. Pilot's in on it, but I guess they don't want to split it three ways. Oh, is it the other pilot in it? I thought he was he's like they're coming in too hot. He's the guy that's like they're coming in too fast. Oh, I thought he meant just because they don't know what's happening. Oh, I thought it was you know? like oh, it's like the we're Joker making the connection smaller. Or... Oh, I see. And he's cutting. It. Oh, I thought it was that. They weren't a team, and I thought it was like, oh, it's like me and you, where you know we're flying together for twenty years, and all of a sudden I'm going to turn and just blow your brains out because I'm <laughs> on this thing. You know, I mean, maybe I maybe I'm reading it wrong. Oh, maybe and, I am and too. You're reading it correctly, yeah. or vice versa. I thought that they were both in on it, and then they just want to they want to cut down the hump, the, the profit share. I think he was like, those guys are coming in too fast, and then he's like, well, you slow down and drop down to blah blah blah. Okay, I yes. thought it was because they, they... Oh, I thought they were dropping down and slowing down because of... Um, no, I think it was so that they could make the connection. Oh, because at first he, cause he was saying... He, uh, it oh, doesn't anyway, matter. Yeah. So, <laughs> Minutia. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> so there's, and there's a storm coming. Oh, we've already established it. There's this big like, gale force <laughs> coming. There's, there's a gale force storm yeah, coming. Yeah, that's in. coming into the Rockies, and that's going to mess everything up. And then so you have your other plane that comes up behind and this seems like it only work on a dc9 where the because you have the tail cone section you can hit a button the tail cone can come off and we get into like db cooper shit here um yeah. and if people i was don't thinking know, a lot <laughs> about db cooper when we were watching it actually <laughs> and i'm uh, like, how long ago has made that db cooper movie yet yeah it, it, well they did they, they, they there's a movie called db cooper beats or Meets Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's a great a couple unsolved mysteries on DB Cooper, and I'm sure there must be a TV movie on him. And um, that's a that's a that's interesting a, story for another day. So look uh, up DB Cooper if you don't know who he is. Yeah. And you want to know what it's what it's relate what his relation to the story. Is. And also the recent stuff with DB Cooper because there's a lot of other stories of he's did he, he alive? Is he not alive? Did he survive? Did he not survive? So then they uh, they open the side of the the, the the private plane. They 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 take the cone of the back of the of the the. the uh, treasury plane comes off. They put this big rope out, and they're gonna they connect it to the both planes. And I guess the idea is they're gonna um, shoot the cases over one at a time, kind of like zip line. Yeah, zip line them over. A lot of zip lines in this movie. Yeah, and this is something that this is prior. I mean, this is the same year as Jurassic Park CGI, but they do this for real. And this ends up being the most expensive in the Guinness it, Book of World Records, right? Like aerial stunt ever, ever. done. Well, and they paid the guy that did it. A million. That's why it's the most expensive because they paid the guy uh, who who did the sh- stunt. They paid him a million dollars to do this. And he gets thing. like his own credit in the thing. Yeah. Like, aerial it, stunt. You zip line between car or planes performed by by this guy and he gets paid a, a, a crap load of money as I think he rightfully should be paid a crap load of money because <laughs> oh, he's putting his fucking <laughs> life on the line uh, his name is Simon Crane so what Simon Crane the stuntman actually does is he on a line uh, comes out from the back of the DC-9 and then he comes across and he makes it to the other plane and then they say something like well he didn't actually go in and it was a clever trick of editing but then it's like, well, then what would they have done with him when they called Cut? He had to have got it. Maybe he just like let go and oh, and they had a parachute. Oh, and then he parachute. That could have been. He could have did the stunt and then let go. But then I'd be worried like he gets like his eraser pull, pulled ah! into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he gets sucked back or something. <laughs> oh Jesus! You know, and this is you know you think you're coming off the heels of, of with safety in, in in the 90s because of everything that went on in the 70s and 80s. So that's paramount in these situations. They couldn't even shoot this overseas because this wasn't allowed. I don't know if the the European uh, governments already thought that this could so for some reason this this wasn't allowed to be shot so they had to shoot this domestically this yeah. sequence Europe, Europe was like nah you no, know what we, we don't, don't want that, that. <laughs> we don't want that guy too, too much of insurance and something like they wouldn't ins- the insurance companies wouldn't insure the stunt so there was some sort of stuff maybe there that Stallone uh, I don't know Stallone paid no. out of his 
or something. Maybe that's where the that's why they paid him a million dollars. Maybe. Yeah, because you know this is so they do this uh, amazing stunt that where this guy goes from one en- one plane to another plane. I don't know how high they're up, but they're pretty. You know, over like five. Thousand. They're planes. Yeah, you know, they're in the air. <laughs> they're, they're actually <laughs> in planes. Yeah, and they're really high up over the mountains. Um, so and then. He comes over first, and then the logic is John. Then we have John Lifko who's in this. John Lifko, John Lifko, whichever way you go, however, however which way you want. Potato, potato, potato. You know, he's playing uh, Quaylen. Quaylen, yeah. Quaylen, and uh, Quaylen, he, and he's like, "Why didn't? You, why did you come over first? And you know, it's always like the bad guy. Thing. Some told me you would have left waiting for me <laughs> yeah. if I sat over first. So the next, so that they they put it on autopilot. The last pilot that's in there, he comes and he starts sending the cases over one at a time. And then of course our FBI agent who was deadheading, he's still alive. Man, the guy made the mistake. Stepping like, on e- his hand. Even if, even if there's a dead guy there. You should just shoot, do headshots. No, I, well that I would just go over and make sure everyone's dead. That, but yeah. like, you would still maybe step over his hand, not step on it, not just step. That's right. how ruthless they are. <laughs> this is a thing in these movies, and I put this as a note that always the turncoats in these movies, the the guy, the the, the double agent that are playing both sides. That at first you think he's a nice guy. When they make that turn, this is for the most part, and I'm generalizing here. They always become so terribly mean. They become almost the worst villain in it, where they're like, you know, how he's treating these guys later. Uh, what's the guy, Rex? You know, he's like yeah. so horrible. You want, like, not only is he selling out all his other guys, his partners for 20 years, and he's killing them. Then he's always like, you know, like, you know, he's, he's the, the meanest. The, he's a real grumpy, you know. So, like, this guy, personified, he's walking over, he steps on the dead guy's hand, you know, and he gets to the back. This other guy's still alive. Uh, he takes, I think he uses his Uzi, and a, a magnificent sequence where he, you know, he lights the guy up. Uh, the that guy falls out of the plane. The 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 shoot the 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 uh, suitcases which are between the two planes in mid flight start bouncing around, and then the guy who's still alive, the FBI agent with his Uzi, just lights up the freaking front of the the Lockheed <laughs> private plane. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's like one of these things where you know the, it only has like a thirty probably capacity clip, but he shoots for like a minute and a half, and it's brilliant. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, everybody's getting, getting their hydraulics, yeah, they take out windows. Beep, 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 He's got beep, really beep, great you know, aim. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. Uh, I think he even hit some guy he, in the know, doorway. Yeah, well, the other guy comes out <laughs> with a sniper rifle to try to take him out. They hit him. He fall, <laughs> and then it's already you get the Clarence Boddicker kind of idea like what should we do with him he's hit pretty bad get him to a hospital he throws him out of the plane (laughs) (laughs) you know i gotta say stopping down john lifgow in this movie john lifgow uh one of the for me you know watching this movie when i was little how bad a great of a bad guy he is in this movie you know this was again fodder for for us 12 11 12 year olds like you know when you're in this era of um simon gruber's or um uh, and it was Simon's, Jeremy Irons, uh, Hans Gruber's. Uh, you know, all these different guys are having to top each other. You know, he does a pretty good job here, John Lifgow, trying yeah, to... Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of his performance. I mean, it's, it's completely over the top. Yeah. But that's because it has and, to... And it's like his accent, is it's not quite British. No, but it, it's... It's British-ish. I don't think it, <laughs> you know, I don't think it should have gotten... The, the people did criticize him for unrealistic, the unrealistic accent, which I didn't think it's that bad comparatively to some people who you hear traditionally do stuff that's just terrible and it's harder because he is working with two english actors the guy from prime suspect and the girl so it's like 
It's but he's, but, but he, it's like I don't. But it's like I don't know if it's supposed to be British. I don't. It's like it's this weird, slightly nondescript accent, yeah, which just, I guess kind of works. He just sounds proper. He just makes him sound like a like a, a cool bad guy. I'm always for because of uh, Fifty Two Pickup and John Glover and Fifty Two Pickup. John Glover. And there's a decision that I don't know if uh, we'll have to ask John Glover when he guests sleeps over. <laughs> is it Fifty Two Pickup? I think it is. But uh, it's with Roy Scheider, you yeah, love Roy yeah. Scheider. Fifty Two Pickup, but. It, He's not in. Um, anyway, I think I'm pretty sure if John Glover in Fifty Two Pickup, he talks with like a Philadelphia, you know, like yeah, accent. Twin. Yeah, like Johnny Depp had in the remake of Willy Wonka. Charlie, Walker. Charlie, Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate It's Factory. weird. Yeah, yeah it's it. actually how I talked when I was little, and yeah. how most of my family talks. Your mother ta- has that. I, I I only pick it up on your mom. So when you told me the the regionalization of Johnny. Johnny Quest, Johnny Depp. Then I was like, "Oh yeah, he is talking like your mom." So yeah, I always yeah. think they're just making, they're imitating your uh, mom. I might, you know, do you have a phrase to kind of get it? They're hauling oats. Oats, yeah, exactly. Water. Yeah, yeah, they are. That's <laughs> I right always there. think that's such a weird, creepy accent that John Glover has in that movie. He's a real creep in Fifty Two. But yeah, and I was like, bad guy. They should have more bad guys have that accent because it's so strange. I'm gonna put that on creepy. my. I'll, I'll have to make a note of that if I ever be a bad guy. I'm do a Philly <laughs> accent. Um, when they make your movie into a, when they make one of your, one of your movies <laughs> into a thing, we'll have a bad, the bad guy have you from Philly. <laughs> but I think John Lithgow is great in this. But and then, I do. I'm, my, my, I would like. I'm glad that you forfeited the information because I was going to ask you. So what do you think? Because oh, I, I th- it works for me, no, but I can totally understand why his performance wouldn't work for somebody being kind of sober over top and the accent and stuff. Yeah, but, it's, but I like it. It's par and parcel for what you're getting here. I mean, it's, it works perfectly within the movie. I mean, his idea behind it, he said in interviews, is that like when you're going to have Stallone in there being like the pseudo or uber good guy, you need to have the extreme yeah. be someone who's going to be able to me, rival you know, him. So you've made connections between over the top and this movie. Yeah. And then we just made a connection between northern exposure in this movie yeah Virginia my Turner. connection for john lithgow is that or lithgow however you want to yeah potato you know, potato. <laughs> potato potato uh that after george henderson and harry and the henderson which we did <laughs> released harry yeah after they parted with harry he was so heartbroken that he uh he it corrupted him Slowly, but and he became English, <laughs> and he started. To, and he moved to England. Yeah, left the Hendersons, got turned to a life of crime, Terrible. and quickly sociopath. Uh, quickly, just lost. He it. Went off the deep end. And so he's actually playing. Uh, Eric Galen is actually uh, an alias for George Henderson. Yeah. So well, that's. We can almost fit in another John Lithgow movie we did, uh, Santa Claus the movie, where he's the he leaves and becomes the evil toy conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And then remember the last scene in that movie with Roger Moore, not Roger Moore, I'm sorry, <laughs> Dudley Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore that in that movie. That that awesome. that, that's a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Burgess Meredith, Roger Moore. That's As an right. elf. That's an elf. <laughs> As an elf. <laughs> Hello, love. I'm an elf. Well, that's not even a Roger Moore. But, and the, but you know, when John Lithgow floats up into space with the candy canes he's eating, that he ends up floating, he loses his mind in space, comes down in England, and then he's lost it. He's never right again. So, but you no, know, John Lithgow, he's, and this is a movie, another movie I haven't seen in 20 years I'd love to revisit is Ricochet, which, the, you know, with um, Denzel Washington. You he, love Denzel. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I'm a huge Thought Denzel people fan. people don't know that about <laughs> yeah, Dion. loves Denzel. Dion is a big Denzel yeah. fan. If, Dion, if Denzel's on Broadway, Dion's going to I it. I used to, until I used to have the money, yeah, and then I was like, yeah, why am I, you know, but uh, yeah, I did see quite a few of his stuff on Broadway. I saw Fences on Broadway before that, that cast went and made the movie, but that Denzel movie, 
uh, he plays just as nutty as a guy in this, and if, and he's that's another legendary performance because of the just the you know when they give these characters, the movie could be crap, but, but it's yeah, like it's, you know the, so the villain could be to me because he and remember you've always said that about me is that I is that you're crazy <laughs> yeah you yeah, you're just <laughs> crazy and you love Denzel is is that um uh, I may not necessarily like the movie. The movie may suck, but I can key out performances, you know, yeah, and yeah. I can like really like Gary Oldman. I can love him in Lost in Space, but the movie might not be great, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of a thing. So I'm very forgiving uh, if I can find somebody I'm going to love in it just for their role, you know. And I, I'm not saying that Ricochet's that. I remember Ricochet being very, very good of the era, but it's like I remember him being so over the top as well in that movie. So, and that's right before this. So I wonder if. You know, oh yeah, he can play a villain. You know, it's like well, if, if here's the a, thing. You know, because uh, out of con- I'm sorry, I keep going on, but out of context, it's it's you know these guys. It might take you. You think of him as you know from Harry and the Hendersons. You know, so yeah. it's like or from uh, 2010. Like, could he play a villain? You know, so it's but, a stretch. Or you know, I, I to that point. Yeah, I mean, to me, Harry and the Hendersons was maybe the first thing that I ever saw him, or at least recognized that it was him. Yeah. You know, to me, everything after that was like, oh, that's he's George Henderson. Although yeah. I probably did see 2010 before I saw uh, Harry the Hendersons. But um, <laughs> that's some deep viewing but, for you. Well, my dad would, my, you know, whatever. Yeah, of course. Rent, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> my dad did. We didn't have a choice. Yeah, I know. Same with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we watched whatever my dad rented for. This us, is Caligula, much. kids. But uh, it's history. He's probably played as many, if not more, bad guys than he's got than he has good guys. Yeah, if you really think about it, in all those Brian De Palma movies that he's in, yeah, he yeah, only once he's a bad yeah. guy. Uh, I think he's the he's the bad guy in in uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, uh, he's the bad guy in uh, the movie or the Christmas movie or just oh Christmas around. Santa Claus the movie yeah, Santa Claus did. the movie. I mean, we did that a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he's probably played. I mean, he's well. You know, it's a different kind in that movie. He's just he can. You know, that's him just being like a. But a he's bad the, guy. But he's suit. the antagonist. Yeah, and, and he's you know he's a serial killer blowout. But it's harder than I think for him to step in. I mean, not harder. I'm sure because of the street cred he has playing those guys, for them now to be a, a, a you know it's like um, uh, what's his name Clarence Boddicker in RoboCop. How do you have them be the opposite of? Um, uh, what's his name? Kurt, Kurt, Le, Curtis. Uh, I forget that guy's name. Uh, the guy, I don't remember anybody anymore. But it's like for him to be the equal to Stallone in this movie. You know, if you if you strip them both down, you know, uh, Lifko is a, kind of a lanky guy. So is he going to be when when it, at the end of the movie when we have this big f- big fisticuffs fight? Is he going to really be any kind of competition against? You know, is he going to give uh, Sly a run for his money? In that kind of context, I mean, which this, we is up three, this is three years before Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, and there's a lot of I think there's a there's a couple Third Rock from the Sun references. Right. Like casts, <laughs> I forget there's there is a Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation from a couple people in this movie that might have guessed it on Third Rock, maybe like Janine Turner or whatever. But anyway, so and also you know we talked about how he was criticized for his English accent in this. He goes on to do um, he plays. Uh, there's a there's a Netflix show called The Crown, and he plays Churchill on The Crown, and he's very good. And he's got a perfect act. Yeah, he sounds yeah. exactly like Churchill there. So not to necessarily say not to necessarily say he I can't don't think do he, one. I don't think he. That's the thing <clears> is I don't <throat> think he fails at doing. No, I think he's just putting a, on an English accent. I think the accent is intentionally kind of nondescript. Yeah, 
and I just think it's a very interesting and weird choice. Yeah, <laughs> to to do it doesn't bother me. Yeah, like it never bothered me that he does it, and it wasn't even until this viewing that I was like, it's not really an English accent. It's just like a it's like a non it's like a twang script. Yeah, but he could have had any accent. I mean, it didn't yeah. have to be. I mean, semi- a lot of the, those guys were. You know, starting with Hans Gruber. Al now, in, in the realm of the What If game, uh, a, a, interesting. A, a, allegedly, because we don't want to be sued. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't want to get any more lawsuits, <laughs> any more defamation suits. That uh, apparently, originally cast in this part was Christopher Walken. Which would have been awesome. That would have been quite a... And I th- could see him doing this kind of a movie. I mean, that's still of the era where he could have been a physical kind of a guy doing sure. the physicality. Was, uh, King of New York. Yeah, that's 1990, I think, or 89. So yeah. he's, he could still be doing... you know. And then he goes on to do some other stuff where he's been a bad guy and a ton of stuff. But it, it would be fun seeing him in this role being a nut. And I'm sure this would have... I mean, this might have made the movie a little bigger had he been in it playing yeah, an yeah. eccentric kind of ham-up role. Although I don't know because I don't feel like, I mean, at least for me, he, like he didn't really become, I mean, for me, like I don't, I had I had seen him in stuff, but he, I didn't become recognizable to me until he played Max Shrek in Batman Returns. And then after that, I was oh, like, Walken. oh, it's that guy who played the guy from Batman Returns. And yeah. then it was in Pulp Fiction and the, Fucking give me the watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it was. It wasn't until after that. Like so, I, li- I mean, maybe to our parents, he would have been a, a, a higher draw. Yeah. Well, I knew who Walken was by that point because I mean, I'd seen The Dead Zone, and uh, what's the movie with him and Sean Penn? I'd seen Jack, not Jackknife, Close Range, where he's the father and son. Yeah, but he's not like a bad guy in any of those. Movies. No, but I mean, I mean, he's on the map for me. And I've probably seen Communion. And I think I've seen, I had seen... But it's like, uh, like it never, he was one, it was like I had seen him and stuff, but it never really registered... As a bad guy. ...to me, you know, it's a kind of significance. You know, he was just an actor in a movie. And yeah. It wasn't until later that I kind of, you know, grew, oh. gained a fondness and like was like, oh, it's fucking Christopher Walken. Yeah. Because by the time I, I saw King of New York when that came out, and that's kind of startling. I think that's Abel Ferreira. Yeah, yeah. And then that's the, them trying to do like... Um, like Scarface again, and then that hits a peak with Bad Lieutenant. But like that was kind of the violence, and that's shocking for. And then you have the phone book in there too. Everybody's in that movie, King of New York. So I think that might maybe that. I just don't know. For I me. just I have no frame of reference. I'm not saying how he, he would have. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been a a, a bigger draw than. Yeah. I just have no frame of reference to know if it had been like, ooh, Christopher Walken as the bad guy or not, compared yeah. to like, oh, John Lithgow as yeah. the bad well, guy. Well, Lithgow does a fabulous job. I've always loved, since the theater, I mean, later on in the movie, just, you know, he has one of, for me, one of the best, like, you know, little things in all time of bad guyery yeah. that I remember was like, it was just completely putting him on the map for me, like, as a 12-year-old, like, that guy's badass. <laughs> you know? And another what-if game for that part was apparently Randy Harlan originally... <clears throat> His first choice, yeah. supposedly, was David Bowie. Which would have been awesome. I think would have been great. You David know? Bowie was a really underrated actor. Yeah. There's a Western that he's in with Harvey Keitel. <laughs> it went like straight to video in the early 2000s. Yeah. And he's so fucking good in it. Yeah. I mean, the movie, it's, I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember not liking the movie a whole lot. Uh but thinking like, you what, what, it's a, what a weird, interesting performance that that that, he, that, um, that he that he gives in this movie. That reminds me of um, 
uh, I'm thinking though, there's the proposition. The proposition, that's not him in the prop. No, that's uh, um, John um, Hurt. Is it William Hurt? John Hurt's the English actor. He's in the proposition. I'm trying to think of what else. Because uh, Bowie, does he play a villain particularly? It's called Gunslinger's Revenge from 1998. Okay. Um, does Bowie, anything viner- villainary aside from like, you know, him playing the alien and um, him doing. Uh, he wasn't in a whole lot. I mean, he's in Basquiat. He's in. I mean, he plays like he's great in uh, a movie that I love a lot, uh, The Prestige. Oh, it's Tesla. He, but he plays Tesla. Oh, he's fabulous. But he's almost just, unrecognizable too. It's just all like little. He doesn't play. Yeah. No, he's never you know on the forefront, uh, except you know the man that fell to earth. Yeah, and then, and then the other one, the uh, the, what's the, the vampire, hunger. the Hunger movie. You know, those are good. But he's always playing something on the peripheral. It's almost like Mick Jagger. You know, Mick Jagger shows up in a couple movies, like Free Jack and Free stuff. Jack. I know you love Free Jack. We're going off the rails here. <laughs> I'm not as far off the rails as if we have been. As we've been in previous episodes. Um, but, but, you know, it's, John there's, Lithgow, at least there's a tangent in yeah. that he was, you know, the intention, you know, like originally, uh, Reddy Harlan wanted to cast Bowie. And I think that would have been a really interesting choice. And I also want to say, though, but I thought even watching this movie when I was little, I loved, I thought Lifkow was a superb bad guy. In this. Yeah, yeah. And he really gave Sly the run of his money. The Jeremy, other Jeremy Irons also would have been an interesting choice. Yeah, and they, they end up using him for Die Hard 3. He would have been great in this movie. I mean, there, there's a Gary Ullman, you know, this is what he ends up doing. <laughs> uh, you know, Air Force One, you know, yeah. you know, this is all right up there for them. Uh, the other would have is Dana Delaney was for the role of, um, what's her face, uh, that went to... Um, to uh, Janine Turner. Janine Turner is a forgotten love of ours. Yeah, it's funny because last last week when we were off camera, off mic, yeah, we were talking about, it and you're like, so who plays the girl who falls? Yeah, and I was like, I don't know, it might be a Delaney. Yeah, and that was it. that was it. And yeah, we didn't realize. And she's like, not it anybody. Of, it might be one of the Delaneys, and it's not. Yeah, either it's not anybody. I mean, not anybody of note. Yeah, I mean, she is somebody. And if we looked, I bet you she's she's something else. Uh, but uh, I can see that. Yeah, Janine Turner. Um, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people. Not. I don't think a lot of people younger than us would know her, at all. Yeah. I mean, because she really. She was in Northern Exposure, which she played a pilot. That was on for a good amount of years. So they were like, hey, get me uh, a... <laughs> me a girl who can fly a Huey. <laughs> you know anybody who can fly a Huey? You can give me the girl that flies flies, she flies Cessnas? In That's the, fine. In, in, the, in cold, envir- cold yeah. mountainous environments. She could do DC-3s oh, or yeah, nines. Janine, you mean Janine Turner? <laughs> sure. And then she was a she did car commercials for a while. Yeah. You know, and then she had her that real cute short haircut. Yeah, you know when she, she was doing hair. those. Is she is it short hair too? I yeah, yeah. It got her northern but, exposure, like yeah. boyish. But I always find there. her gorgeous. You know, she's oh, really, yeah. you know. I don't know where she's gone. Yeah, I mean, she, she just, had a doctor show there for a little while, maybe about ten years ago. Oh, that's true. Everybody uh, had a show ten years where she ago. was blonde with like long hair, and I was like, holy shit, that's Janine Turner. Holy crap, what's she doing? Where's um, Janine Turner? If you're out there, come sleep over. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to interview you on our on our podcast on our about, podcast about northern exposure. Yeah, and various other things. Uh, and then also we have in the cast too we the aforementioned Michael Rooker who has always been kind of there for me for all these years. Um, I first noticed him. Funny enough, he's he's the, in Seagal Steven Seagal's first movie Above the Law. There's the scene where he goes to get like his his niece or something from like some guy who's taking doing coke upstairs. And that's that part where he's like, "You want to get high? You want to get high?" But he goes to the bar first and he goes, "You know, anybody seen this girl?" Da, da, da. And there's one guy's like, "I saw the top of her head." And then like he he's, then that ensues a whole big bar fight and. Michael 
Michael Rooker's the guy who pulls a knife on him and he does like a uh, a Kodagaishi and like breaks Michael Rooker's arm. And that's 88. And what year is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? That's, I, I thought, know. the same I... time or even before. So, you know, I knew him from Henry Portrait Mine, of a Serial he Killer. Because he's in uh, Eight Men Out. Oh, so he, in, he's one of the eight men. <laughs> and he's in, um, I feel like he's probably in some 80s, like like either like uh, Miami Vice or some episodic television. Yeah, it sounds weird that he would just have like a bit part getting his arm broken. Yeah, exactly. So it's just odd that he just shows up like... 86 in, is Henry Portrait of a Syria color. So I wonder, I wonder if he had a bigger part that never, you know, that like why he's like, yeah, I'll be in that, you know? <laughs> oh, he's like, he's like, is Henry Silva going to be in that? Sure, I'll be in that because of that. But he then, through the 90s, he's in stuff. And, you know, I always, you know... Uh, oh, I'm a huge... I, I love... He's a... Are you a big... big uh, I'm a big Rooker fan. Uh, he's in the... What's the movie? Solid. What's the movie with... Uh, that's a movie I haven't thought of in years. The movie where it's Tim Roth and Chris Penn. And they're in a room, and they're interviewing Tim Roth, who's a killer, who goes into... Uh, he goes into, like... Um, uh, he has like seizures that make him go into like uh, alternate states of reality and talk, and it was really weird. But it was one of these like kind of like uh, you know at the time when you had all the indie scripts of doing like uh, Usual Suspects and stuff. It was one of them kind of movies. Yeah. And he's in that. He's I think in the Sixth Day. He might be the guy running after. He might be. Yeah. You know Schwarzenegger in that movie. So he's and then he's in Mall Rats. Mall Rats and audiences. I think he's now. In Tombstone. He's great in Tombstone. I think people most readily know him now from he was from his Walking Dead stint as uh, yeah. what's his face his brother Daryl's uh, brother, brother uh, that gets the fake arm and all. Hell, that. Doc, I got lots of friends. Yeah, I got. <laughs> um, I don't. So Rooker, uh, anybody else notable in this cast? Uh, what's this? The guy uh, um, with the one with the one name, Leon. Uh, Leon. He ends up being. They do a biopic on Little Richard. I remember he yeah. played Little Richard. He was in the he was in like Cool Runnings. He's in the popped up a lot. That Temptations like might, TV I was movie. To say, I think yeah. he was in that Temptations, which is movie. which is big at the time because people still talk about that. I, and and I don't I, I had that at the video store. And people were always renting that. And I never realized it was just like one of those VH VH1, VH1 movies, yeah. you know. Or uh, so he and he's great. And that's another guy in this movie. That's a great. He was a great bad guy. He gets killed. You know, Ansel. <laughs> you know, it's just and he's like, you bitch. I'm gonna have fun with the bitch. You know. So ends up happening is the guy unlets the Uzi on the plane. The other plane ends up blowing up. Great special small effects. Uh, we could you know the, how they did miniature work. The small pi- the small pilot plane ends up crashing with the bad guys on it after they lose the cases, and that's our MacGuffin for the movie. Where uh, any other people you would think would have called it off, they're lucky they survived the plane crash. These guys are going to now hike to wherever these you know in the Rockies, and then it's I w- was well, trying I to. F- I think it's like because they just they need the money to now be able to even. Get out of the country. Yeah, it's it's kind of. But you would think they would kind of just try to do something. You know, get out of there. Have if if something went horribly wrong, they would have some sort of way to. uh, You would think they'd have some sort of alternative plan, but they don't. And uh, surprisingly, they none of them were wearing dress shoes or anything because if they were only wearing like slacks, they had a lot of good good winter gear. Yeah, you know, for this event. Well, they knew that door was going to be open. (laughs) That's true. So they had everything (laughs) packed because they had gloves and hats. So when they get on the ground. They realize what's the best way to get this, and they're like, "Oh, fuck it! We'll just call the the the, the damn um, the Con- Rocky guys and yeah. the rescue guys, the rescue. And, and they'll take us there." And uh, I don't know the girl's name who plays the girlfriend in this movie, the evil girlfriend. I know you like her though. She's good because I like she puts the American accent on. That's really good. I've never seen her really in anything else. Caroline Goodall. Yeah, 
I'm sure she's been in some other stuff that I didn't do my research and look after her. But uh, she's good in this. Uh, the English guy who's in Prime Suspect, that's also the, one of the... Like, they have a nice uh, troop of bad guys. I always like when you have your bad guys and each one is it's cleverly good, defined. It's, it's a good group of henchmen. Yeah, yeah. you know, you always... It, it, they're not five ambiguous guys. It's like everybody has their own kind of personality and quirk. Even like the... Well, there's one of the guys, Gregory Scott Cummins, who's the guy... Who uh, Stallone uses as a sled? Yes, yeah. And then follows the, he's <laughs> he's popped up in stuff recently. He's uh, had a not a not a big part, but a recurring part on "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Okay, yeah, that's been on for like twenty years now. Yeah, he plays I think the da- the father of Mac, who's in prison. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's you know when I was watching, I was like, is that the guy from Always Sunny? Yeah, and even the guy who gets killed kind of near the start with the with the the blonde guy with the long hair that yeah. gets taken off in the avalanche he's recognizable for that era well, he's very has a very unique look that's yeah <laughs> yeah he's he kind of yeah he looks like the guy from um escape from new york you know that guy what's his face who just died oh yeah um he looks a little bit like that guy. yeah i mean just in the in the realm of unique looks yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so their whole thing is they have to they get the they call the mountain service the mountain service can't get there by helicopter because of the storm which yeah, necessitates yeah, them getting know. there yeah you think you guys don't know the plot so uh, where do we go from here? Where do we go? You got Stallone here doing almost all, a lot of his own stunts, although he's doubled with a guy who ends up uh, getting killed after the movie comes uh, is filmed in a car accident. Um, no relation to the filming of the movie. Um, he did a lot of the body work, or body double work for uh, for Stallone. Wolfgang Gullick. Or yeah. Gullich. Uh, and I think the film may even who was like a famous rock climber. Yeah, and he might even the film might be dedicated to him, or they may say in memory of uh, him. But they surprisingly do a lot of stuff uh, at at a at a level of you know ten thousand feet or twelve thousand feet, where the they all had to kind of prep for like stolen, of course, getting in shape. But everybody had to kind of get in shape to be able to work at that altitude as well because the air is so thin when you get that high, yeah. you know, and it gets kind of, uh, you can get tired very easily and all that. And so when, when the movie gets going and they're going up these mountains to get to the, to the, to the suitcases, you know, they have, they, they forced alone, they have him take his jacket off, you know, so now he's in a <laughs> have tank take top. take his jacket off. I want to see those guns. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to see him. I want to see him flex, you know, and he starts climbing like this impossible climb without a rope up the, up the, oh, I guess they have a rope tied to his foot so he won't get away. And they yeah. get to the top and then he, he just, he just bashes with a rocker with his thing just... I, I couldn't he opens the thing just to look to see if the money or maybe he's looking for his own edification what's in the cases that they want so bad because he opens it I looks at the money I tell him what it is yeah there's a question it's like I don't understand yeah and then there he, was a question he opens like, it, why does he open it and then it? he shuts it and then just maybe to look at because we've never have we maybe seen the money maybe he's looking yet? to see if there's like a, something else in there like a weapon something yeah. that he could use and then all of a sudden, they're like, you know, it's it's like you, you got to blame some of the decisions on the bad guys in this movie for why the plan starts going awry for that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> as, as well thought out as they seem to have figured like, out. The, the whole the sky heist, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, sure. Like, you know, you know, all they, they just. They didn't, like you said, they didn't put a bullet. Like they didn't put some bullets in yeah, the head yeah, just they, to make sure. You know, and it's, so it's like you, you think that they would. So they, so Stallone is only at the the first case, looking at it, before 
they're like, when he comes down, we'll <laughs> kill him. <laughs> Just kill him. Yeah. We got two more cases to go. Yeah. Not even going to wait till the next case. Yeah, we only need one more. Mountain. That's a terrible accent. And then so Rooker's like, they're going to fucking kill you. <laughs> you know, so... You would think in this situation they would say, we're lying. Just bring the cases <laughs> down. We were kidding. We He's never like, said that. Yes. And, and, you know, maybe not. <laughs> he misunderstood. Yes. <laughs> it was a complete, <laughs> he didn't hear. <laughs> and you'd think that they'd knock him out, maybe Rooker out with, with the butt of a gun. Instead, or <laughs> just kill Rooker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should if, just throw Rooker off. <laughs> if, you only yeah. want, if you only need one. He slipped. Why, yeah. why wait? Clearly take the guy who Just be like, all right, we only need one. Yeah. Later, Rooker. <laughs> and just use Stallone. So they just start shooting at Stallone. Or no, they they first start pulling at him. Like, I didn't understand. They would have to have, if, if so, if there they was, pulled yeah, him. They were, Rooker warned him. Yeah. So then they start, pull, get him down. Get him down. So you think they would first parlay, like, throw the case down. You know, like, they're leave, the case is still there. Yeah, Because yeah. that would mean somebody else would have to go up and get the case. They should just be like, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Bring the case down. <laughs> well, I think maybe the quote-unquote cat is out of the bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the other guys just start shooting up there, and he's like, oh, you know, he's, he's hiding. And then the guy starts shooting rocket fucking... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a little ill-advised. And, and, Absolutely, and, and, especially if they want to, they want to still, uh, still recover the suitcase at this point. So that, that necessitates, or this that causes a huge avalanche. That that guy gets taken out with. Stallone's lucky to be alive. A lot of yeah. stuff, you know. Oh, he throws the money over. Yeah, and the I money. Guess he's thinking like the thing. Don't I, think he I, might I die. Oh, they do. They're like, yeah, that, you know, goodbye, Walker. So he's a little. He's a little better in the moment. Stallone's a little better because he's, he's, yeah. he's a climber. <laughs> but he's thinking like, if I throw the money over, they'll think I went too. They'll think I went too. And then, they're, but so they're like, oh hell, there goes one bag. Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> we're gonna turn this because we're getting Carrie a little Grant. wonky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carrie Grant and Peter Laurie. Quailin. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get up. Quailin is Travers. <laughs> Laurie is Travers. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, well, who's Carrie, Travers? Carrie, the, the bald guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. He's a turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cary Grant as... You bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and then and Cary Grant as uh, John Lithgow's character. And then up there is, like, uh, Charlton Heston as... as <laughs> you want to kill me, one. don't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to get a little so off track, yeah. that happens. And then uh, they think he's dead. They're like, on to case number two. They've got three cases. So they're yeah. like, on to case number fucking Two out of three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A hundred million dollars split this how many Cuff ways. that one up to so now Stallone. Exactly. And we, <laughs> the guy already lost his life. Stallone at this point has no jacket. And it's yeah. negative. Uh, we learn in, in the next scene, which is pretty cool. It's the 90s. We got to have the... Um, the night vision scene with the night vision goggles, which mm-hmm. you've seen Die Hard 2, which also Rennie Harlan. That's you know? a trademark. He's like, bring us the, the night vision <laughs> scene. So you look at the stats in the goggles, It's uh, it was negative uh, 12 Celsius, which means it's 10 degrees Fahrenheit out. So Stallone is doing all that with no fucking jacket on. Mm-hmm. And he's and and look, luckily he has the, uh, the climbing, the, he cleats, has the cleats. And he's able to use the cleats. That rope goes in no time. Remember when he cuts himself yeah. off the rope? He's able to just slash them with the cleats and cut it the takes rope. Takes a few, t- few yeah. hits, uh, but doesn't. Uh, you know. And then he's able to make it to the thing. He meets Janine Turner. He grabs like an old, some old relic hiking yeah. stuff. Take like this old sweater. And he gets, yeah, <laughs> it looks a hundred year old sweater that somebody survived. He puts that on. That's going to be all right. He grabs the Donner's, like an old rope. The Donner's party sweater. <laughs> <The Donner's> party. <laughs> <laughs> it's all got mothball holes all in it. 
<laughs> he takes that thing, and then he's, he's like, <laughs> then he realizes, okay, we're gonna beat him to the second because he has a. That's another thing is I was trying to figure out like he doesn't have a tr- tracker on him. He now just knows where they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, then he, nobody knows that mountain range better than yeah. And then Gabe. He's, not only is he knowing Gabe Walker, yeah, no Gabe Walker. You know, they said you know when they get to, when they go for the second case, uh, he's, Michael Rooker says like, why can't we just go up that way? He says There's only twelve guys in the world can make that thing. Yeah, make one of them lies size alone. But Jeez. does he say that? Because I feel like it's a, like the line should have been like, and you just killed one of them. Yeah, but I he does. But that's he does not, not the, say that. But that's not the no. line. It's somehow it seems like a perfect. Yeah, a perfect use of something they could have just <laughs> yeah. used. They, yeah, only twelve guys could have made that. You just killed one of them, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this plan wasn't the best one we've had. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Uh, that's your best. That's your that? best impression, of John Lithgow. Oh, this okay. was so far <laughs> terrible. John Lithgow, John Lithgow impressions. Um, the other thing here was since all this money is coming from the Denver Mint, I know from watching my infomercials on TV that Denver Mint only makes coins. So they they make the point of saying so the the, pub, the public knows anyway yeah so in in real life here um, oh that's true you're right so in the context of the movie they could be only printing these hundred million dollar bills they're not for, for circulation this, yeah. yeah and they're not commemorative <laughs> well because the Denver Mint makes commemorative coins so they, they they've weighted out a hundred million dollars from the Denver Mint would weigh two thousand five hundred tons. If they were trying to, that's a completely different movie. If they're trying to just imagine that, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Is that it's, it's it's you know you find out that it's 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 uh you know it's they, they the Denver Mint they got it in coins instead of it in dollars. Yeah, that's uh, that's Talk, some, how di- that's some diehard three dump truck shit right there. Right, yeah, with all the with the yeah, or, or you get the bullying or whatever like that. That's and then how are they gonna fence that son of a bitch? You know, <laughs> well, Quaylen's got connections. Yeah, all over the world, he's got connections. That's what they find out. So then that's also cool is that they they build Paul. Wind- Winfield, a special appearance by Paul Winfield, and then he's later he's still in it, where he's in the helicopter. Like, what do you mean the plane went down? Who's it, it was your FBI agent, you know? And then you kind of find out on their own. The other guy that's with Paul Winfield is also a recognizable guy in a half a dozen movies. So they're trying to figure out what happened and why these planes went down. So the plot starts going. They get to the second case, and then Stallone starts playing games with him, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Somebody finds time to <laughs> he builds a snowman. <laughs> build a snowman. <laughs> He's able to sing a song. Yo, uh, he, this is going to be pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> just go with me, though. We gather up a bunch of snow. <laughs> yeah, what? what, what? <laughs> just, just trust me. Come on. We're gonna, you know. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah, and then at the same time this is happening, um, you know, the, the, the gale force is, is so bad they can't get the Huey in the air, so we don't have Mr. Walton coming to look for him. Yeah, yeah. And everyone just is calling on their walkie-talkies, and no one's responding. And Lifgaard's like, don't respond. Let's go. Fuck them. So, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them in their ears. <laughs> fuck them in the other ear. Uh, and then... Uh, <laughs> a little Cobra Commander there for a second. <laughs> Death Joe. <laughs> this is a total G.I. Joe plot. <laughs> Cobra Commander. We should have fucking... We've lost the pieces. <laughs> yes, we should have not had the, the Cobra God shout out of that. Searching the globe now yeah. for the pieces of the weather yeah. dominator. Exactly, or the, the pyramid of darkness. We should have not done it together. <laughs> okay, so this is completely... So then the, this just ensues all these different great set action pieces. You have the then they, um, 
they're looking for him in the dark, so they put the night vision on. And there's this great night vision sequence where that ends up is the one where he takes the uh, they go sledding, right? <laughs> yeah. And they sledge down, and he's using him as like a freaking and it's and it's and he gets a, he takes the pickaxe and he kicks it right in time and he's hanging. And they yeah. think they both went over, and then they think he killed him again. And he, he, no, this guy will not die. He becomes yeah, very much like Walker. <laughs> 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 like every time he's like god damn you um and uh, um john lifkow's got a sweet gun and he's got a desert eagle which is like a 44 magnum automatic which is pretty cool it's a very very big big powerful gun um then you get to that rope bridge i mean we 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 missing parts here you have that in sequence well, yeah, there's, uh... or you have them go into the so he he I mean, I don't know how much of it we need to kind of lay out. Yeah. I mean, only like significant. The sequences are fun. So he kills that guy by sledding down him and he gets some of the, the equipment. I think he's able to maybe put a jacket on at that point. And then the next thing is he goes, they're trying to get to the third case because he has the second case already. And they're trying to get to the third case's location by cutting through the mountain. They're going to go through the crack. Of yeah, the crevices. <laughs> yeah, the evil crack with That's all those. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, nobody goes in. Nobody comes out. Never comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and, when they, we're, we're, and do you believe that Michael Worker is actually taking him on like the? Uh, I think the yeah. Tourists? I think he's taking him on this on a slow boat to China. Also, I think probably the faster routes. You know, probably they probably couldn't do the climbing. Oh yeah, well that's another thing. He's got to take them a route. I mean, maybe if he was smart, he would take them on the more treacherous route. He might be able to lose a couple couple more. (laughs) A couple of his men might get lost along the way. That's another thing is, you know, near the end of the movie, you kind of believe that the the, the turncoat uh, Denver mid-agent has kind of lost his mind. But it's like they they didn't sign up for, I mean, they survived a fucking plane crash for the most part, you know. Which, uh, by the way, is, you know, I I can't stress enough, like, the 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 cinematic achievement of the the movie magic aspect of this yeah, movie. Yeah, well, we should turn the record over and talk about that as in well. In that, you know, everybody talk. They always you always see all the spe- the special effects things. But we're talking about the show movie magic, the, the about old Discovery the, Channel about, show about the helicopter crap. Yeah, like the helicopter thing. They use miniature work. But I would imagine that a bulk of that plane crash is miniatures too. Yeah, there's an episode of Movie Magic if you look up on online where they're talking about. Miniatures and miniature crashes, and their the the profile of the episode is the net that um is that Denzel Washington too <laughs> or Julia oh Sandra Bullock Sandra movie? Bullock yeah well there's a beginning which I don't think I've ever seen that where a Cessna crashes into like three uh, f- uh, f- chimneys or whatever these factory chimneys and they show how they do that hit and then they talk about this company uh, it's the guy it's the miniature guy's boss shop the guys who did Richard Edland. Uh-huh. Started the company, and they, you know, sloop over, sloop over Hall of Fame, yeah, right there. And, and this, this, these guys particularly worked on um, going back to Ghostbusters, but they did uh, Batman Returns. They did Aliens Three. Were they um, not also the guys that were did the original suit for Predator? I feel like they, he, yeah, that R- could be Richard Edlund's. Yeah, come he, up, he's come up quite a few times on the yeah, show. So the it's their boss, boss shop is the guys who did the miniature work for this and they talk about their, yeah, they built this whole like a football field sized uh, um, in California like a runway in the backyard uh, that's snow and they had that uh, DC-9 on a uh, on a track and then they have that where we just run and then they're talking about, Frank, you know, they were doing I think the they're doing like 140 to 160 frames per second, uh, where a normal film is 24 frames per second. And then the more you speed it up, 
uh, uh, the more it slows down. When so, you play it back. Because yeah. you're shooting it faster so that when it's played back at 24 frames a second, it seems like it's slow motion. Because there's much more f- actual, sh- you know, But pictures. they do a lot of that with miniatures and stuff, even uh, like Godzilla. Anything, yeah, underwater. Movies, you because know, you have to compensate for the size. Yeah, of the boat. So if, if, if you're doing a thing where like a battleship is a miniature and you have it in real water, it's going to bob around like a top. But if you're able to slow it down, it kind of looks a little slow. It looks like it's it ha- it's it's heavier. And yeah. there's and they said that there's a there's a uh, a, um, a math um, equation you can do to figure out what the what mod what scale you're working in and what the, how many frames a second for it to it. be realistic. As well as then when you start using pyro, the pyro guy in this was another guy, Thane Morris who is a, a, a real legend in, in the industry doing pyro. And I think also at the time he used to also teach pyro courses to people in the industry and he had all these special licenses. Because you have to also make sure your your he was I think he might have also pioneered like the prime accord, that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. You have to f- uh, figure out your explosions to the scale you're doing. You can't have an explosion that's going to be, you know, you have to have it the fireball and all that be the scale of whatever you're doing. So that sequence, they, they talk about a couple times where you have the DC-9, uh, well, not, I'm sorry, not the DC-9, their little jet crash that was on a track and how they did it. Then the DC-9 that explodes in the air that they, that they were taking the money off of, they did that. You know, facing, they made a model of that and they had it facing a certain way and they had a camera shooting it up, looking up in the skies, and then they had a fireball slow motion so it would blow up a, a certain way and look nice. And then there's some CGI blending all that together, uh, you yeah. know, some effects of uh, explosions and that kind of a thing. Which is, this is still CGI in, if it's, in yeah. its infancy. Yeah. Because I mean, this is the same summer as Jurassic Park. Within a couple of months. Memorial Day to July 4th. So, so it's, you're still uh, getting kind of that. So you're, you're still using heavily on miniatures and stuff. And then at the end of this, the Huey, which plays in later in the helicopter, the, the, uh, the rescue team, team chopper that plays in the latter part of this movie, there's a, the big action end sequence with John Lithgow and Sly on the side of a mountain. That's all done by miniature, which looks breathtaking in that episode of Movie Magic. Yeah. Show. And this was a show we bring up quite a bit when we're on the subject that we're sure people our age remember. Blake and I used to love this show where it was a it was a Discovery Channel show where every episode they would highlight a different kind of movie magic, be it CGI, miniature, uh, I don't know, they would do like makeup effects, you know, so... Well, on two episodes or more of that show, because it was this era, they profiled the special effects of Cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. But just the, so much great stuff. The, those scenes, obviously, are, the, are, the, are like the standout ones that you can point to. And there are times where you can kind of see, you know, you can kind of see the strings. You know, yeah. Well, you know, but and, you and, know, and the, not the, like the the figurative strings of like you can see, you know, the scene the scene we were just talking about with the avalanche where they're shooting up and then you have the camera goes up the side of the mountain from the bad guys up to Stallone on the top. Yeah, thing. and you one food motion. You can, but you can see a couple of seams in there where they kind of blended. Yeah, probably a couple of different shots to make it work nowadays when you watch especially like in high def you can kind of see that there, there's a little bit of a, f- a factory going yeah. on going on there but for the most part a lot of the stuff is really well executed yeah. you know a lot of the the matting and the and the green screen well, stuff. I don't even notice that stuff that's what I mean you it's know? like it's there but yeah. it's really you I can't mean, even see I the lines certain sequences where they had near the end with Stallone hanging there and they had the helicopter behind him falling I think they actually did that but I wonder if they used the model yeah. Smaller and then just forced perspective would make it look a little but better. Some of it is 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 like keying and uh, like I love the scene 
the ice scene. Which is like when he falls into the ice. Oh, that's uh, then that's a whole sequence you completely forget. They walk into that thing, and I don't know. I've never seen any confirmation, but to me, it reeks of a studio. Oh, it looks exactly like a studio set. They spent so much money. It looks like like a leftover set from Ice Station Zebra that they needed to like (laughs) film on, or Doctor Zhivago. They're like, oh, we can use this set because it's so like. You know, and but then, I love it. Oh, you it's know, great. like it feels yeah. like oh, it like, feels like an older forties, fifties, sixties movie. You know, it's it's. I love seeing the combination of all this use of filmmaking, all these different styles of filmmaking happening within one movie, and it's one of the things. And I've said it a million times, and it's I'm a broken record on this show now because you know we've you know we're oh you know, we're like four and a half years into the show, <laughs> and it's happened and we've, it's come up so many times on the show. Like I love watching and and recognizing like the the beauty of filmmaking mm. and so so to have something that looks and feels so much like uh indoor studio set, studio yeah. set which just like warmed my heart in the midst of all this beautiful cinematography on top of an italian mountain yeah to then Come into something yeah. that feels so claustrophobic, and you can, you can actually cut that out. I mean, it's it's almost a scene. The only reason why you have that kind of scene is to have the demise, to have a proper demise of the Rex for, for Travers, Travers, yeah. the, the turncoat agent. Uh, it's and it's almost like they were trying to think of like, what else can we have him do up there since he's going to be on the side of the mountain? Hey, let's have him fall into a frozen <laughs> lake. <laughs> have him, he's shirtless. He's not cold enough. Yeah, let's have him. I mean, it's another sequence where it's just hilarious, where it's so cold you'd think, and he falls into this lake and he's kicking around, and the faces he's making, he's like. Arr! <laughs> and the guy's about to, and then you're wondering why the guy hasn't shot him yet. And then he uses the bolt gun, and he's able to get out. And then like the, it's right when Michael Rooker finds him. And then, then the next scene or so, he's perfectly dry. Yeah, yeah. he's got like he's blo- able to blow blow his hair. <laughs> he's got like new clothes on. It's like he's not succumbing to like you know frostbite. Now it's um, interesting because we have that sh- we he's under the ice. We see him pull away with the bolt gun. Yeah, and he shoots up. We see that Trevor's gets shot. And he there's gets shot several times. Yeah, and then we cut to we cut to Rucker with the shotgun. So I wonder if it's supposed to be that maybe Rucker gets a couple of shots in. Too? Oh, is, is they both had a little uh, triangulation. <laughs> like maybe he hits him once and he comes turns up. him around and then yeah, <laughs> and Rucker shoots him. Take, well, we could have had a sequence where he could have blew his head off with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the bolt gun we keep saying is that they have this clever device in the movie, which is completely realistic within the movie. Is that when they're getting high up, instead of like taking a baton and. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. hammer it in the old traditional way and hooking that up to be able to climb. They have this bolt gun that's just shooting it right in and then they're able to click on there. And that's a, a, one of the things climbers say is unrealistic because you can't be doing something like that in that situation because it'll explode the rock or it's just if there's a, even like a recoil on it. Yeah. And there's know. really no reason for it other than that scene. Or it being cool. Yeah. It's like, why would he have a nail gun with him the entire <laughs> movie or something? He needs to have, he can't have a harpoon. He needs to have something that will, he could shoot out from the ice to kill the guy but very easily we could have had Rooker do it Rooker could have done it yeah, yeah. Rooker could have Rooker could have uh, sh- blew his brains out he could have shot missed Stallone cracked the ice and Stallone could have came up out of the ice saved his yeah, yeah. or he could have had a really you could have had like even more of a of a suspenseful scene where he shoots Travers yeah, Travers falls in the ice, and then he comes, runs over, and he sees Stallone, oh. the, and then he's like picking at yeah, the, dun, dun. <laughs> picking at the at the at the at the solid ice with the back of the shotgun, yeah, trying to a, break it yeah. to get to Stallone. And then Stallone comes out because Stallone 
just took it. He, he went into the water and just took his shirt right off. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to embrace the cold in this one. Um, so you have that sequence, which is, which is great. And then you have the, the there's a, another great sequence where, where they're, when they're going inside the cave and they have the, they encounter bats and Minjini Turner. And Green CGI. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't even notice those are CGI bats, but I guess they were too scared to use the real bats. It's the kind of thing where it's like, for some reason, CGI in 1993 looked better than CGI for the, for the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're doing something like that. As, as, like as they really fucking... <laughs> 1993 was the peak. Of, C, yeah, of CGI <laughs> for that computer until they updated the model and it just... <laughs> there was, a, was, there was a, an update in the system. And it it just, was like an update of the... Ma- of the, uh, the software. Of the software. And then it just never kind of looked to save anymore. And then, so you have that where... Uh, that looks really good. And then there's the big fight where he's... Uh, uh, you know, he falls he down through said, the. He should have. He should when he put his hands in the bat crap, and he should have looked up and said, "Bat." He should have said, "Why did it have to be bats?" <laughs> well, there's a ton of. I have. I have a note here. There's a ton of sequences where you would have, if this was ten years before, or if this was a still a Schwarzenegger movie, they would have gave him a payoff. There's a couple of cheesy you know? lines in it. That's yeah, but they're good, not. But they're not like you know stick around or you yeah. know uh, like the part where he picks the black guy up and shoves him. That to this day still in the theater. I was like, oh. <laughs> he shoves him into some stalactites. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's like, right now I'm very hungry. Ah! <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you hang up there and you stick around up there. You know, he could have had some sort of funny. Yeah. Uh, kind of play on stalagmites. Yeah, or some sort of joke or something. You know, I'm still here, Bennett, you know, because you also have the, the legendary, um, in these movies, the, the good guy calling out the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, remember like Commando, it's like, I'm here, come kill him, I'm here. Come on. Oh, that's Predator, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, but Commando, he's like, you know, come I'm on. here, come yeah, on. You don't need the gun, you don't need the girl. <laughs> uh, in this movie, he's like, you know, he's like, what is he saying? He's like, I'm in here, come on. He's calling to- A little closer. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Come this way, come through my booby traps. <laughs> Not that he has any. Um, well, even with the copter. He's like, get a close, bring it closer. Yeah, come closer, come closer. And, and, and I don't know, it, that, and that's almost like, you know, everybody's on the honor system there because he's like, <laughs> he, gives a, he gives the girl away. He's holding the money. He could just throw the money off. I you mean, know, I was thinking this time when, you know, she see, she see she's gotten away. She's yeah. sitting on the top of the like, She hears the copter. Mm. She thinks it's Frank, yeah. the old guy, Mr. Walton. Uh, and then... The copper rises up, and she sees that it's John Lithgow. And Lithgow points the gun at her through yeah the glass through the glass of the helicopter, and then it's like I don't see I don't see logistically how he gets her on the helicopter. You just got to go with it. Yeah, he's because he's, he's got to go, and he's also got to start calling her. He's like because she's not gonna be able to hear him. <laughs> so he's like, and she's like, what over there? Yeah. Go over there. Yeah. Go, go, <laughs> go, go. I'm gonna pick you up. Over there. Over there. Go. Uh, <laughs> he's got to get her to go wherever he's got, wherever he can land the then helicopter. Land, and then he's got to get her on board. And, and the hand cover. Yeah, hand cover. <laughs> then she's able to take her own handcuffs off in the next sequence. She's just like, <laughs> unless he gave her the key. He, he hands oh, her okay. the key. Because like he's had it the whole time. She's like, wow, she's a clever. <laughs> she's clever. waiting for a moment, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, that happened. And then, you know, during this too, uh, in the, Logic of Rambo. Remember his side? He hurts his side, so it was like Rambo three wounds. Yeah, his Rambo three wound is opening up again. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that's that's giving him because remember he corduroys that <laughs> thing in, in Rambo three. Uh, that's I think that's when he's falling through the trees, Rambo one style. He falls off the side of the it's mountain. Either, yeah, it's either through the trees or through the 
he but he hurts himself a couple times because he throws through back through the crack with the black guy. Well, that's that's I was saying that and when, he gets bumped around yeah, as he's and that's another great I, great show of if you look at the behind the scenes of that, like all this stuff has to be built. These 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 caves, these sequences. So you think about how much time went into these weeks of just building like a thirty foot you know vertical thing that now you can have Stallone on a rope. Okay, action, and then he's got to like act like he's Stallone falling on down. a rope. You know, it's like you know going down. Um, you know, it's like Alice going down the the rabbit hole. You know, uh, you know it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a great cliffhanger. Merchandising Stallone on a rope <laughs> <laughs> in the shower. You want to. <laughs> You can't you, you, you can't think about leaving cliffhanger. You want to take it into the shower? Stay at home with you. Play in the bathtub. Yeah. Stallone on a rope. Stallone on a rope. <laughs> Lift go on a on a on a hair. Hurricane. Yeah, and then he does fall. He then he falls through some trees and stuff. And yeah. then that's and then he hurts. That's his when side. you see the blood. Yeah, he's like fuck. He's like shit. Broke a couple of ribs. Yeah, he's not got time. He got time to bleed. He, he, got time. <laughs> he ain't got time for that shit. And then we get to the situation where they acquire the helicopter, which I think is legendary because this was so sad setting up where. Uh, Frank lands uh, Mr. Walton and he gets out and he thinks he's the whole time responding to the girl the, the British girl who had the American yeah, yeah. accent that called for the help and she turns around and then that English guy just just ends up they don't want to kill Striker. him yeah Stri- uh, Striker doesn't want to well, well the girl doesn't want to they need they want to keep him as a pilot I guess it's it's un, it's it's unclear to me well it's again uh, goes up to why these guys the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the decisions they're making aren't the best to help them out in, in this whole he doesn't seem to think that he should be killed but I don't know why John Lithgow would let Rooker go unless it was the villainous like sadistic of like I'm gonna let you watch your friend get killed. Yeah, that was a little more... Yeah, I don't understand why he would just... You're right. Let him go up there for that purpose. So maybe he did tell Stryker yeah, to yeah. kill... Yeah, She didn't know. I don't know. It's it's unclear. Yeah. So he gets... He's like, you weren't supposed to shoot. And he's yeah. like, I was, what was the point of this scene? <laughs> What's my motivation in this scene? <laughs> well, I need to have some lines in this movie. I don't know. Why is Michael Rooker running at me then? <laughs> I thought I was supposed to warn him. <laughs> That's not why we're doing this. I'm not warning him. <laughs> Should we go back to one? <laughs> no, John Lithgow, stay where you are, John Lithgow. We're going to all go back to one. So Mr. Walton ended up getting, and it's an example it's of the stylized, yeah. The cutting out of the sound. And, and you see, like, the, the gun going up and down, the, the beautiful porn of the, of, the, of the ammo coming out, and then he gets lit up, and he falls, and it's, it's sad. Well, and well, Jenny Turner runs you up know, to him, you were saying a like, You're saying that he could be viewed as glorifying the violence whereas when i interviewed um barry divorce on for the for the score to death podcast and we were talking about the the fight scene between the baseball furies and the warriors he's the gentleman who did the score he's, for the warriors he scored the warriors and we were talking about the piece of music the the fight i think that's maybe even the cue the name of the cue and he was saying that the producer not uh walter hill but the producer came to him and said, look, we need a piece of music here because the sounds of the bats hitting the, the other bats and the, the sounds of the bats hitting the flesh and all that, it's, it's too violent. It sounds too violent. Yeah. Like it's too much. So if we kind of replace that, that with those sounds with music, it'll lessen the impact of the violence. Here, I could see it kind of doing that if you want like heat style. Yeah, <laughs> like the that like those kinds of sounds. It would sound. It would seem awfully violent. 
well, more it, violent than it does with that without the sound well, just with music it's but yeah, it'd be startlingly but realistic it, but i think the music what the music does is it creates more of an emotional yeah response connection yeah. to it as opposed to like the visceral horror of the reality of of, yeah. of the reality of the violence whereas by taking out the sounds of the guns and you know the the groans of somebody dying and you replace it with classical music it, it i think it on one on one side lessens the impact of the violence a little bit but it ups the emotional value of the death of somebody yeah you know so i think it, it plays an interesting function and it's an interesting choice and when it happens in movies because this isn't the first movie or the last movie to ever do it i always find it to be a really interesting yeah. decision and the fact that it becomes that's a motif in this movie i think is an interesting one it certainly works here for that scene I mean, you, especially you know, because walton up to be such you a know, good guy i don't want to you know jump too far ahead of myself our, ourselves here but this movie was uh nominated for three Academy Awards, two of which were for sound. Yeah. Uh, for best sound and then be- best sound effects editing. And so, then the third is the best visual effects. Which, of course, lost to Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park that year, yeah. <laughs> but um, the two sound uh, you know, nominations. That's a very, even though, you know, you're talking about special effects editing, and this is the lack of special effects editing in these scenes. But as I as I interview composers, you know, for a, my first book, a new book that I'm doing right now, and my podcast, it's, you know, the other effects, sound effects and stuff, sound and music and stuff aren't as effective when you don't have those moments when they're not there at all. Yeah. And so I just think it's a really interesting uh, It's certainly a choice, a stylistic choice, and it's interesting how and it plays effective. out. I, for yeah, me, for this, for for me this effective. Yeah. In this movie, certainly. So you have him die, and then they're able to acquire the Huey. And then that's, I think, why they want to get the last case is maybe they can get to it by chopper. But then there, there's that realization. There's of a little Mexican standoff. They don't have. I don't know if that's appropriate anymore. It is not appropriate well, anymore. I take that yeah. back. Strike Jesus, that. You're racist. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> they have a little bit of a standoff. Yeah. A Caucasian standoff. An impasse. And they, um, uh, that's good, George. Uh, they, they. They realize that the, 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 they're like the cop doesn't have enough gas. This then this is and they're like we can either we have enough gas to get back home or to go or to go get the you know they, we don't have time to look. Yeah, so you can't search for it. And then it was a little cloudy when I was little. My recollection of this was they needed to save on weight because they didn't have enough gas. But when we watched it, the actual I didn't remember that right. It was because they had two people who can be pilots, and um, at that part. Um, Rex, I keep for, mis- forgetting his Travers. name. Travers. Travers, the, the, the turncoat agent. Don't say my agent. name. Yeah, he's, don't say my name, <laughs> bitch. Uh, he's like, you know, we don't need you, because they're, you know, they're at each other's throats. John Lithgow hates him. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So he's got a no, gun at Jim. kill you first. Yeah, you, you, you fell into infinity. And so it's like John Lithgow, he got a gun on John Lithgow. And out of right field when I was little, he grabs the girl, John Lithgow's love interest in the movie, who you yeah. could tell she's head over heels for him. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he says that classic line, it's like, what is, you know, the good thing about love is like making sacrifices. And he's got the Desert Eagle and he like pumps through and blows her stomach up. She dies. And I remember that was so shocking. Like, not only is he a bad, bad guy, but he's such a fucking bad guy that he kills his girlfriend. Yeah, and then, you know, <laughs> then just picks her up and flops her back. Yeah, she falls forward onto like the onto bed the, of the, the, the chopper. Yeah, and, and he just pulls yeah, her back, throws her in. He says, so like, now we're even. Yeah. 
yeah, <laughs> we're partners again. Yeah, and it's and it's per, it's it's great, you know, and it, it doesn't shock anybody either. I love these movies, and no one's they should have the one guy in the team. It's like, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? Why is I'm not I'm not dressed for this. I'm in. We've Nikes. already lost two cases. Jesus. Is this really worth yeah, it? Yeah, and I need gloves. <laughs> my uh, my thermal warmers have gone cold. <laughs> my pocket, you know, those disposable uh, yeah, the warmers, heating pad. Uh, so I'm glad you knew that joke. So um, that was always like that seared myself into bad guy history of one of being the bo- you know coolest. Bar- it's one of the best you know mo- moments for him in the movie. Yeah, him killing the girl. One, the line, the drama of it, the. Pumping her full of bullets, and then like the, pun- the punchline. Yeah, he says some um, stuff to her. Then at the end of the scene, he just rips her off. He goes, "Now, now we're partners again." And then he sits down. He takes his as he's taking his scarf. Does you guys go look for it? I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. wait because yeah, I'm gonna fly the plane. I'm gonna take a nap. And he's completely like a sociopath, or you know, he's a psychopath. He doesn't even care. Uh, and then the rest of the movie plays out where they, they you know, they they get to the third case, and then there's this big rope bridge sequence where the then at this point uh, John Lithgow has gotten Janine Turner who was supposed to be going for help. Uh, he's kidnapped her, and now he's flying the Huey, the well, helicopter. Well, there's the rope bridge stuff before that. Is that before that? Where the bomb goes off, and he's like, run, turn around. Run. Okay, yeah, that. so that sequence, I'm, I'm getting my, my, my sequences mixed up. Yeah. Uh, so they have this, well, and then this is another thing, well, I guess this is true, but like there's cer- certain places they get to on these rocks, even though, um, you know, we're in... Um, in, uh, wherever we are in uh, Italy is supposed to be doubling for the Rockies where I guess a lot of this stuff has been frequented so much some of the stuff is, has permanent installations there's a permanent like you know um, uh, what do you call that bridge a wooden bridge there's a permanent like staircase that or a ladder that's you know built into the side of the mountain so this must be frequented enough for people to like you know put stuff in yeah. so they get to the to the, to the rope bridge and uh, they blow that up to cover their tracks, and Stallone's halfway across, and you have the big where he jumps, and it's almost going to be like Temple of Doom style. Where he's got to climb himself up <laughs> yeah. the rock, and because there's who knew there's crocodiles and alligators <laughs> down the bottom. <laughs> so you can do a like, fan <laughs> edit, yeah. Where it gets to <laughs> the climbers falling, and they're <laughs> you know like you see him like eating up the, the uh, you know what is it the uh, <laughs> they, they took the children. He said the children. They took the children. <laughs> Bring them back to us, Alana. <laughs> those, those Somebody should cut those yeah. two rope bridges suits together. Um, so this brings us to, I guess, another point where we could talk about when this movie ended up being screened for test audiences. Uh, the some of the violence in this, the sequences and the uh, action in particular was so extreme, and not just the not even just the violence, but just the, the situations. Like some of it was just so over the top or like over the top it was so like not it was so beyond human beyond humanly possible that yeah even in movie terminology that some audiences were finding it hard to suspend their disbelief enough to know to say that like Stallone could a person could do that so there's a sequence that you still see that's in the trailer which we can add a, or the original trailer to the link of this. And by the way, the trailer, if it's the original trailer, there's an entire trailer where there's no dialogue yeah, or sound. It's just, it's just music. Classical music, and it works brilliantly. Uh, and I think that might be the first trailer where I saw everything. So it's like, I'm going to see that. I think it's like well, the last shot of the trailer. Yeah, or so the, the last shot of that trailer, which was the trailer, is you see him jumping, and he's jumping like Jack Nicholson, Al, like wolf style, <laughs> where he's flying. And, yeah, you know, yeah. at the time. You don't know the context of that. You see it in the trailer, like that looks fucking awesome. You know, like you know what's happening. But then I guess in this 
in the context of the scene, he was jumping from one side to the other. Right? He's, he's just jumping the crevice. I it's guess. not when the rope bridge goes. I, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what sequence that what is. What part of the movie it comes from? But he literally, you know, they have a long shot, and he jumps like. Know, like a football field. <laughs> yeah, well, he, you know, Stallone says there's a quote of Stallone saying that the it, they had to recut stuff because you know a, a human can really only jump like 12 feet. You know, best case scenario, and he, they got him jumping like 350 feet. They have him, th- but, but they, there's a lot of quotes saying that that jump is 40 feet. Okay, which is still like almost three times. Yeah, what supposedly a person could do, but uh, I don't know. I mean, not seeing it in the context of the scene, I, I don't know. I mean, in the context of the trailer, it looks awesome. Yeah, you could also imagine that. I mean, I could suspend my disbelief enough that somebody could jump that distance, if and obviously lower. they're going yeah. down. Yeah, you're going and further. The tra- trajectory is going to take you. Your momentum. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know the momentum is going to take them, but they're going to end like. You yeah. know, 30, 40 feet yeah, I've got the lower on the rock. I'm, I'm writing on my chalkboard. And if I S equals velocity times Huey helicopter, and then we add John Lifko's accent in for the plate carry the one. But maybe the way that. they did it, you know, it was just even, too much of a vert, like a horizontal jump. I've always, like, I, I'm a fan of uh, Michael Mann's collateral, but then at the end of the collateral where um, Tom Cruise makes the leap from one side he he actually leaps on the subway from like to the middle barrier so he leaps across all the train track and it, you know that looks like oh I can do that but then when you're standing in a subway station looking like can you actually be able to run and jump and leap over to the other you know it's, it's a hard leap to make so that it's hard sometimes when you see stuff that if they're not superheroes yeah I mean so, you could see somebody making that jump and then just like ramming their ribs into the yeah air. <laughs> <laughs> he falls into the shit he dies into the, the side movie. of the other yeah. platform and falling backwards <laughs> under the third rail <laughs> ah, and then the train comes in <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the end of your movie, a half hour in. Uh, so, but what, evidently, when test audiences saw some of this uber extreme violence were, or, or action, that uh, when you were filming and editing was fine, but when you put it into the movie, they some people actually ended up chuckling at the laugh at, like, the, I guess, the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of, the director's cut, they had to Stallone and then had to take it back and scale it back where they had to fix stuff by either cutting or CGIing it a little right so it would work right. There's a scene where um, they take the third case and they put, they, they somehow Stallone catches a rabbit and he puts it on the rabbit, you know, and then so the rabbit's running around so when he gets to the third case, they have, all the cases have like um, homing devices so this is how they're able to find the cases and they have some cool tracker that's left over from Hudson using an aliens, you know, like movement, what's the signal, everywhere, up and down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're able to talk to me, Hudson, they're able to use this thing so when they get there it's running around it's on a rabbit so the first sequence is they actually shot the rabbit Yeah. and uh, I hope they didn't really kill a rabbit <laughs> you know but it's Italy so they, they do they, you know who knows what they do over there but that horrified audiences where they actually supposedly in the lore they had to go why pay why they thought that that would get away well I mean it's the 80s and 90s <laughs> you know? that, that audience they would be able to get it by an audience that they killed a rabbit well, maybe they're going by the guy, such a bad guy. Yeah. You know, it's it's your Trevor's, Travers, Travers. Yeah. So that in the next sequence, when he gets it with the bolt gun and the ice, uh, it's like, yeah, because he's terrible. Remember, he's yelling, like, "Shut up! Where how far are we?" It's like, dude, 
I'm the climber here, man. Why are you questioning me? You know, it's like. But uh, what Dion's getting at is that I think Stallone paid something like a hundred thousand dollars out of his own pocket to reshoot that sequence. Yeah, just so it looks like the rabbit gets away from you know he misses him. Unfortunately, with the fire. it's got this homing device strapped to it for the rest of its life. <laughs> yeah, running around. Hopefully, he can get it off. Get it's picked it's, off by an yeah, eagle or a yeah, hawk. or a bat. It's gonna it's just as a light blinking, and the eagle's like, "Wow." Well, that's easy. <laughs> um, so you have that happen, and then you have this this other thing was this jump. I think there was ex- other sequences of extreme violence. I'm sure there were. Or like things, shooting yeah. and blood and gore. Like there's the scene where Stryker, the British guy from Prime Suspect, I forget how he dies. That's the one where I didn't understand it either. So Michael How he Rooker, dies in, in the movie currently? Or yeah. Or like a scene that got cut out that got toned down? I for, Oh, two yeah, two things there. First is, I forgot. How does he die with Michael Rooker in the Michael Rooker Some, s- Mike, stabs him? Michael Rooker stabs him in the in the knee, and then he pulls. and then he grabs the shotgun, and then shoots him like in the chest, and then he fl- with the shotgun, and then he falls over Michael Rooker. He falls and to falls death. to his death. Okay, and, well he probably died before that. But so when Mister Walt he probably bled out. <laughs> When Mr. Walton gets shot and is bleeding out, he goes up and Michael Rooker's like, oh my God, Mr. Walton, I loved you. You didn't deserve this. And he gives him a knife. I'll tell John Boy. <laughs> I'll tell everybody. <laughs> I'll tell him that, that you're dead. That, not to wait up for you. Um, so, <laughs> For anybody that doesn't know, the Waltons was a television show and he played the, the patriarch yeah. father figure and that's of this popular show. Very, And that was the one where you have like, good night, John Boy, good night, Daddy, good night, Mama, good night, John Boy, good night, Father. You know, the, the, those good nights. So he gives him this knife. He, before he passes on, he dies. He gives him like a cool flip knife. And you think that he would use that flip knife as soon as he can for something. No. But he kind of resigns himself to this fate. He puts it in his sock by his, his shoe. And then when we get to this point, we're like, we don't need him anymore. Take him out and kill him, but be quick about it. You know, and come oh, back in five minutes because we're blowing the bridge. Quietly, but not too loud, but quietly. But loud. <laughs> not too loud. Yeah, loud enough that I can hear, yeah, but I not too loud. Not too loud. I need to hear that <laughs> Because we all just... I made a lot of noise just when I killed the last guy. I shouldn't have shot him, but it, everyone's... Come, just kill him. So he goes out, and he. I guess he's, he's going to... Yeah, so he starts... And then... Michael Hooker's like, you know, kill me now. He starts taking his clothes off. and he's So he's almost yeah. resigned himself <laughs> with the death. It's a funny thing. He's like, you know, you're an asshole. You yeah, so, is he pi- so my question is, is he doing it to to, to, to get him to, to get a rise out of him and start beating him up so I he can get the just, knife? I think he's just buying some time. Oh, because he's trying. He knows that'll be the only thing that, you know. Like, you know, well, you know you're go- I'm about to kill you. He's like, well, yeah, but in, five, in a couple minutes, I'm going to be dead. But you'll always be an asshole. You'll still be an asshole. And he's like, oh, I'm an asshole. And he's like, oh, fuck you, man. Soccer. Yeah. 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 And it's, then that whole sequence where he's like, strikers on the line. Striker. Striker airplane, the night cop. So, and then, the, then he's able to then get that knife, kill Striker. So, the whole reason for this. 10 minute conversation about Stryker's death is they ended up cutting that death out in England like the the the, the I think to get the 15 or whatever you call the, their yeah. rating system over there. They did tone there. down like a minute they cut out like a minute's worth of violence. Yeah and that was one and of them. And then they cut out like another 16 seconds or something for the DVD release. Yeah for violence sake so I guess some of the sequences. And some really, language too got yeah. cut out. I mean even the sequence when. when like, oh, that's a motherfucker fucking you've died bitch. <laughs> they said a lot of stuff between the, the Leon 
whatever his character's name is, yeah. the Black Eyes character, and the Janine Turner. I was going to say. Also the, got cut out, I think. Yeah, because he's saying some shit. He's like, I won't have a good time with that bitch. <laughs> that would like, surprise <laughs> me this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has that whole thing. He's like, you know. Uh, uh, but it's just, see, it's just a bi- great buildup. Great guys. Like, you know, you, he's, he's just great about guys. to kill him. <laughs> no, great bad guys. You know, great, great yeah, really want to have him over. Um, but so there's so much violence with this, uh, this extreme. This where they must have, they, they cut all this out. Uh, and luckily, we're able to we're able to see the original cuts because nowadays it, it's it doesn't look as bad as comparatively to stuff. But you know, it is it is an end of an era where you're getting into these sequences where the 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 plot is kind of silly in the sense of how, the, the whole story of how it's happening. And then the ideas of like the the uber violence in it, or this these jumps he's doing, like it's the end of that action era. Where this yeah. is believable because you try to do a lot of that nowadays. If you try to make this movie now, out of, the script know, logic is kind of funny. If you take a look at Stallone's the next couple of movies, which are you know you got the com- you got some com- comic relief in those movies, they're a little goofier, like Demolition Man and Judge Dredd. Yeah, right after this, like he gets a this one is like certainly less. Ridiculous for the lack of a no, it's term. straight. You know, they play it as a straight action thriller, shorts over the top, and I think maybe in a different context, him being able to jump forty feet, an audience would have bought. But I think yeah. in the context of like a serious thriller, yeah, you know, that's playing it for on a more realistic front. It was just a little too far fetched. Yeah, well, but they, say in like Judge, if he did it in Judge Dredd, it would have no. Been, it would have been kind of realistic, or or if a character was, a character would have bought that. You yeah, know, audience would have bought a comic book character, which Judge Dredd was, yeah, or the Demolition Man to a certain extent, to yeah. be able to be able to have that quality of being being able to be the super because he's in uh, Wesley Snipes is like a superhuman in that kind of yeah. Well, they kind of they, they juice him up. They juice him up when he's oh when he's sleeping, sleeping and wakes up and yeah and they yeah. Um, so and then we just had a request for, another for that. Show. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's that's something I think we would definitely get to. to, to just, uh, that's a very interesting movie to, to, to in the annals of Stallone's um uh, <laughs> and his career and in, in the annals of his career. Um, so uh, he and then Stallone gets put in the same situation near the end of the movie where he's able to redeem himself. Or Janine Turner, you know, oh, yeah. you know, she, she and then it's like thinking about it though. I, I mean, obviously the connections there. He's Dion's talking about. There's a scene where Janine Turner's gonna she kind of get loses her grip or whatever. She's gonna but fall. But it's almost the exact same situation. And he where grabs her before she falls, and, and she's they're in the same kind of yeah positioning. Call call back to the to don't the, you drop me to the first scene. <laughs> he just starts yelling out, "Don't blame me!" <laughs> and and clearly that connection is there as a viewer yeah but I feel like I was surprised maybe not that they should have done this but I, I was surprised that they didn't milk it for more yeah with like a, with a change in the music swell yeah or, more or time, like blah, a blah, little blah. cloudy and have like flashes of the other girl's face <laughs> down there you know I mean like he's seen her he's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking down, I'm seeing her. Uh. <laughs> or he calls her by name like, I'm still going to fuck you, Julie. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there was something like, I, I, just, I was shocked that it was more passing then. Yeah, but you kind of feel like, but okay. You, but as, a, as an audience, you do yeah. make that connection. And he, but it seemed like in... And a lot of other movies that would have milked that, would have milked yeah. it a little bit more. I definitely agree. And then by this point, now Stallone vicariously has killed everybody, either personally or through. So you only got left. It's you don't even have the the. Usually you have the, the token semi bad bad guy who gets knocked out, and yeah. he's the one that you never the get Gary to see. Busey. Yeah, the Gary <laughs> Busey or the. Um, 
the uh, you know what's his name the the not Argob but what was the uh, the guy the computer whiz and Die Hard you know I forget his name in it uh, the guy from Walker Texas Stranger yeah him uh, oh Jesus Theo you know like you know there's always one or two guys that gets knocked out that's gonna be, you know get arrested and they're gonna have like all the charges that everybody else should have gotten <laughs> on him and they're gonna go you know they're gonna be I was, this, I was yeah. the computer guy I was accomplice but you're gonna get you know murder one first and like you know they're gonna have like 500 consecutive year sentences um, so nobody in this movie they kill everybody so by the end of it you've gotten the and isn't going back to my other story two hours ago when you have the guy who's when they when the turncoat beans up so bad spoiler alert in under siege when Gary Busey, you find out Gary Busey's the bad guy. Isn't he like an evil? He turns and he's he kills the captain of the battleship. Doesn't he turn out to be a real horrible bad guy too? He's like beating the crew, or you know, what I mean, like he's not. They're never lovable. Like I had to do it because I needed the money. It's always like they go <laughs> balls in and they're like, yeah, you know, because yeah. this. You well, know, I guess they just don't want him to be likable to the audience. Yeah, so they just go really like, fuck him, fuck this shit. So, you know, that's another example. So by the end of it, everybody's killed, they got their comeuppance, and it's just John Lithgow in this helicopter, yeah. and there's that, there's like you said, there's a standoff where it's like, give me the money, let go of the girl, I don't need the girl. Go drop, go out, yeah. go drop Janine Turner off over and there. And I'm surprised he lets him do that. He should say, no, I'm gonna, you know, I want you to I'm, you know, I, I don't know how he's even. Oh, there's walkie-talkies. I'm gonna yeah, say because yeah. how they're hearing each other. Lips, slow. I yeah. can't read your I lips. said, I'm putting <laughs> it down there. It's just bloody hell, Walker. <laughs> read my lips. So he's able to. He lets Janine Turner go, and then it's like the honor system. Throw it in. You know, good clothes. Throw it in. And there's um. What did he have hanging down there? Well, he he lowers Janine oh, on Turner the, on, on the, the line. Okay, yeah, on the line from line. the first scene where they do the zip line. Yeah, so it's, she gets Same struck, Huey. she gets layered, she gets let down uh, on a line because he doesn't land the the helicopter. Or she doesn't jump out. She gets lowered. Yeah, but and so he doesn't take the line. I guess back Stallone's up. counting on him to forget to. Yeah, well, there's to, nobody. If he's the only one flying the helicopter, I guess you have to be manually at the. Oh, the switch guess, to maybe, click it on yeah. and off. So he's not even thinking because he's already, I mean, not that he's already insane, but he's not thinking clearly by this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Because he's out of, this is another thing, he's out of He's out of gasoline. That's <laughs> the other point of it where he's like, he gets it, he's like, ha, ah, ah, shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, fuck, fucking hell. And then it falls and blows <laughs> up. <laughs> that yeah. should have been the end. <laughs> 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 Isn't that something else where they run out of gas and he goes and He blows. puts the, throws the money in and then yeah. the I've got to do it. And then you see him look at the E. Exactly. Fucking hell. He's, he's clicking it. He's like, he's like hitting the eye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so. And then it's just to be Turner and Stallone standing on the edge of the mountain watching. Yeah. <laughs> and they kiss his the helicopter. They're just like, stop midair and fall yeah. like a cartoon. Because uh, that's later on when the helicopter drops, you have this huge fucking explosion. Where it's like, where, where did all this. Because the. The, the the gas tanks were on E at the, by that time. Yeah, well, yeah, and just still got some oil in it. Yeah, and exactly. some lubricant, <laughs> all that kind of, and it was upside down, so it kind of the, the, it got in the engine. So you have this great sequence. I know we keep blaming the fact because we keep going through all the, um, the the motions of these sequences. But so Stallone is cleverly able. What is Stallone throws it up so high he shreds it, shreds it in the yeah, propeller, and blades. he's like MacGyver, <laughs> and he looks down. <laughs> <laughs> it's Michael DeBar playing Murdoch. <laughs> Playing uh, John Lithgow. <laughs> There's a MacGyver. I said that to you last week. There's a MacGyver episode, the second appearance of Murdoch, uh, the original series where it's a cliff where he's climbing at the beginning and a girl, they don't do the thing right and she her 
rope breaks, she falls to her death. MacGyver leaves the Phoenix Foundations, blaming himself. Everyone's coming up like, it wasn't your fault. And he's like, it was my fault. I was up there, and she shouldn't have been up there. I was just trying to bang her, and she wasn't an experienced climber, whatever. And then uh, MacGyver, Murdoch comes to get revenge, and then there's a big thing, and then he has to to get away from Murdoch. He, he, him and the new girl he's got go up the mountain, and they go back to the same spot Oof. because they're on the run. And then at the end, he has to, yeah, the line's still there. And he's like, it's where Tiffany fell. And she's like, don't worry, MacGyver. You can have me now, Who's not her. Tiffany? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> and then Murdoch comes out. And like, you brought somebody else up here? Yeah. Like, you didn't tell her. <laughs> she's going to be pissed, MacGyver. Maybe <laughs> both need a couple minutes alone. I thought I told you this. Why are you doing this now? This isn't a, you didn't tell me that you brought yeah. some other girl up here. Whose shit is this? You know, is, this, is that her makeup? <laughs> is those her panties? <laughs> is that a bra? I'll be over here. So, uh, but that's the, the second appearance of Murdoch, where Murdoch falls, supposedly falls to his death at the end of that sequence. Spoiler. And, yeah. And, Mac- <laughs> <laughs> and MacGyver's able to then get over that fear. It's all about that. And that's like 1988. And that's, uh, what, five years before this. So maybe, it, maybe. Uh, a little, somebody was watching it. <laughs> Renny Arlen or the. John Long was. The Cliff, Cliff guy. That's a good idea. He's a big MacGyver fan. So. Uh, Stallone shreds the uh, the money, grabs the the winch, yeah. hooks it to this big ladder that's on the side of the mountain that they've been using. That looks like you know old fashioned, maybe hundred year old iron ladder that's like you know that's uh, cemented or actually stationed bolted on it, and bolted the... in. And then uh, I guess he he runs him out and he starts chasing them, the Huey, and that gives him the slack. And then he turns around, runs the other way, and then. Uh, Stallone jumps over the mountain holding on to the ladder. The Huey goes past, and then the Huey runs taunt and then rips the ladder out. Gets this huge, great sequence where you have the, that. Then Stallone's hanging on the, the ladder, the as, metal ladder. As it's being ripped off the mountain. Yeah, a la like Batman with the Joker at the end hanging on, you know, Tim Burton hanging on to the thing. And then the Huey can't take it anymore and then comes, then comes crashing down. Yeah. Beautiful sequence. Lands upside down against the mountain. It loses Stallone the... Stallone gets slammed up against yeah, the rock. He, he gets, yeah, and then we learn in the Diker Sanction that's not supposed to be very good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he then he doesn't he fall until, until falls the t- onto the belly of the helicopter, <laughs> yeah, and the then helicopter's upside down. Helicopter right? loses its 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 uh, rotors. It loses the the whole tail section, and you just have the hunk of the the helicopter frame. Then John Lithgow, I think, gets up on top. Somehow, yeah, somehow climbs out and, of the yeah. belly, out of the inside, onto and, the belly, the upside down belly that's sitting there, kind of straddled, being hung here very vicariously by like one pin. And, just you know, and then by that time you have like Paul Winfield and the ATF or the not the ATF, the 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 sil- what are they what's called? What's going on? Over the Franklin <laughs> Mint guys. Yeah, they're like, what's going? On? Holy what the hell is that? Yeah, what the hell? Where's our aircraft? And they're watching. And then there's a huge sequence where I mean, for 80s and 90s Schwarzenegger and Stallone action fans, this is such great fodder. Where you have you're, the, you know they're on the belly of this helicopter, and the helicopter could fall at any minute. And yeah. they're having this. It's like you know on top of a crane or any kind of <laughs> yeah, you know they're yeah. having this big fight, kung fu fight, and it pits Stallone versus John Lithgow. And then this is another thing where you can have you know like I eat green bread for breakfast <laughs> right now. I'm very hungry. You know. Yeah. Well, he does give a. He has does have enough time to be like keep your arms and legs in the vehicle at all times, which is I think is a. Is, don't they say that earlier on? The throwback or something? But he beats the crap out of it because suddenly you realize John Lefkow's like, shit, I can't 
one to one against Stallone. And somehow he manages to fall back into the yeah. helicopter instead of just flying off the side he of it. Throws him over, falls in. He gets in, and then uh, another great sequence where it, uh, they time it right where Stallone's able to jump off. It breaks, and then it just As drops. Falling out. Oz is falling away from his feet. He's able to jump off and grab the rock. The rock, yeah. He free grabs just some rocks, just like Spider-Man style. Jump. He doesn't. I thought he, I was thinking he grabs the the, the ladder, but no, you're right. <laughs> he just grabs the rock. He grabs the ladder, and then gets yeah, pulled. Fuck him up! Fuck him up! Again, not again! Yeah, and then they're like, they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> then he. Falls, but he's able. He dra- he grabs like Spider Man, and great shot over his head. You see this the, the helicopter go off from under him and drop, and then you have this great effects blast where it hits the bottom, and you get the big. Also, you get um, the perspective of John Lithgow riding it down. Ah, you know, yeah, and yeah. then you get the zoom into his face. Ah, you know, and then it blows up, and then that's the end of that. I always like think of uh, in Hard Target. Which we target. also did on the show. We did. Jean Claude Van Damme. And that was Lance our Henderson. first John. Van, and uh, Lance, Lance Henriksen is the bad guy. Yep. And Van Damme. Brimley. And, Vance, and Van Damme puts the grenade in his pants. <laughs> and then uh, Lance Henriksen is, you know, scrambling to get the grenade and he finds it and he's unscrewing the get fuse it. as fast as he can. And then he pulls it apart. And he's like, takes him over, relax. And then you hear the spark. He goes, oh. <laughs> he goes, whoop. And then and then he explodes. I was like, for some reason, I feel like John Lithgow. Like, oh, yeah, some kind of like. Or you, you, Gary Oldman did that in two movies where he's like, uh, shit, and then he blows up. Yeah, it? Yeah. Remember, it's like this is from Matilda, and he's like, shit, blows oh, up. Yeah, and then yeah. in Fifth Element, he's like, you know, the, the bomb still works. He's like, oh hell, and he blows up again. Yeah, Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize. Yeah. Uh, so, but a beautiful end of a demise of a villain. And, him blowing up that way, and a lot of that helicopter, the they a lot of the explosion, all that stuff, the helicopter. There was one sixth scale miniature, yeah. and it's great sequences where you look at. I mean, uh, I, we can include that as an extra in the in the cast too. The the movie magic episode where you see them rigging it, where it's a remote control helicopter, so that thing works. So when they call action cameras, they hit a button and the the rotors start going. I mean, it's not being held up there by its own um, you know lift, but it's going and it's on string. So when they hit action. For it to drop the certain way and bang against the the side of the mountain and get to the position they wanted to to have that last fight sequence is just it's really amazing and then especially since you're having to compute into that the um, frame rate of speed you know watching yeah, the higher yeah. frame rates and that all out to work and then the explosions it's 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 great movie magic that we've always lament is seemingly kind of lost now in that kind of uh, this day and age you know anyway. Uh, so this movie comes out, and it ends up doing really well. I mean, aside from that little controversy we said, not controversy, but them having to recut some of the stuff to make it a little more believable. I mean, that was pretty well considering that it it's the summer of Jurassic Park. Yeah. A movie like Last Action Hero, which Gian and I have fondness for. We're uh, the only two people. Kind of dies a miserable death. Yeah. But I think that's because that comes out either right before or right after. Or yeah. at least... Mo- this had enough time. Memorial Day. You had about, what, two months maybe? A month and a half for it to be able to build? And then you go over internationally... Uh, you have the delay there where um, this ends up making a crap load of money. This is uh, a joint between Carol Co. and TriStar. Uh, and then, with, like we said, Carol Co. doesn't really make its money back because it has to pay all that money to all the money it went on, all those other movies that, that they put money yeah. out for. And then 
this does so well internationally and domestically uh, ends up I think what are they it's did they the budget was 70 million and they end up making 255 million that they're going to supposedly do a, a sequel and then in 1994 they start talking about doing a sequel called The Dam Cliffhanger 2 or Cliffhanger 2 The Dam which was going to be a um a him the same character fighting Gabe Walker Gabe Walker fighting um terrorists who take over the Hoover Dam which sounds awesome <laughs> Another great, you Sign know. Sign me up. Yeah. So this is another movie that we should put in the list of, of, of petitions to make that movie. So that movie, uh, in 94, TriStar had said it was in the development stage, and then no one really heard about it. Uh, heard this about it. In it Allegedly, even as late as 2008, uh, once again, there was plans to make that movie. Yeah, and they're talking about, uh, and, and uh, Studio Canal was talking about it. Make, or, then they're talking almost making a remake in 2009 or 10. Uh, of Cliffhanger and then in 2014 they're talking about someone might be writing a script for either sequel or remake and then in 2015 uh, on Instagram Stallone stated that he would love to make a sequel to Cliffhanger but he doubts on whether a reboot would actually happen either meaning that it would be a remake of the original with somebody else or if they would do a sequel I don't know if he says that Maybe it's that he says he wants to make a remake. He would be he's up for a remake, and then maybe that him saying that puts doubt on that. And that a reboot is in the works if Stallone's interested oh, okay. in the sequel. I see. Uh, the last shot of this movie is funny too because we have that whole sequence where we just said there's this huge crazy action sequence with the rope bridge and they're on this mountain and, or not the rope bridge, the metal bridge, the metal ladder, and then they're at the top and you have uh, after all that happens, it's just like. Uh, is it the three of them? It's yeah. Michael Rooker hurt his knee again. Janine Turner, Turner and Stallone, and then Paul Winfield's like, "Hey, over there, we're in the other helicopter. Who is? Who are you guys?" And they're like, "Hey, you know, we're just, uh, you know, uh, wildlife rangers. How are you?" And then they pull back, and they're all of a sudden on like a completely different cliff face, <laughs> you know, because they needed to get the shot and have yeah, it look good. Yeah. So when, when it, so you have this whole whole other sequence, and then when they cut back to the turnaround, and they do this beautiful pullout uh, of to show where they are, and that's another thing in this movie. Going back to the Iker Sanction, where you see these shots where you pull back and see the actors really doing it. There's some breathtaking. We said that last week with Eastwood and uh, George Kennedy at one scene when they were in um, Monument Valley. And then a couple of sequences with Eastwood and in, in Iker Sanction. In this movie, they're the beginning in the middle where they're doing those pull-outs, and it's really them on like basically nothing. That's terrifying. Yeah, I'm thinking they must have had... I mean, they talk about in the making of that uh, they had a huge... Like the best stuntmen in the world teams of five or ten guys really working so that um everybody was safe i mean and they said everything they did on this movie you know uh was relatively safe even though they're doing all their own special effects and we did say the stuntman did die later in a car crash not related to this movie that doubled for stallone but uh this was certainly i guess after the post 80s era of crazy stuntman shit that they're going to do everything by the book here but some of this stuff still looks breathtaking that yeah, any yeah. wrong move it's really you I know mean, that zip line stuff at the beginning and then then the, you know them the pullbacks of like say Rooker with the flare to see where they are when he's hurt at the beginning or the end when they're sitting there waiting to be picked up it's just like whoa <laughs> all you need is just to have one of them fall and, <laughs> yeah. and that's you know, the end of it it's uh <laughs> you know it's this movie's firing on all cylinders in terms yeah. of uh cinema you know movie making you know whether it's the effects which in this case are not used to create a giant spectacle but often to hide you know uh ropes what's going on you know to 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 be seamless 
in the action <clears throat> as opposed to drawing attention to a monster or whatever. Or just, you know, the, from stunt work to, to cinematography to the music, Trevor... Uh, Jones. Trevor Jones did the soundtrack. He's a British composer. He had done Excalibur. Yeah. Time Bandits. Yeah. Dark Crystal. Yeah. Runaway Train. Yep. Labyrinth. Angel Heart. I was going to say, we talked about him on Labyrinth. We love uh, Angel Heart. Angel Heart. Uh, Last Mohegans. That Richard love Last Mohegans. Richard III with uh, Ian McKellen. Love that. I love that. Dark City. Okay. Crossroads. Not yep. with Ralph Macchio, but nope. with Britney Spears. Correct. <laughs> Remember that one. And uh, Around the World in 80 Days. A whole bunch of stuff. There was a little bit of controversy. Not controversy, but crit- criticism. That, he, that I think the movie he did before this one was Last Mohegans. Mohegans. Yeah. And that uh, and that people claimed that uh, he recycled uh, that his his theme for cliffhanger, which he plays the hell out of, yeah, in this movie, just it's, it recurs so much. Was a little too close to what he had done in Last Mohegan. Yeah, but uh, it's inter- I, don't, I don't know. It works for me. I like the score. I mean, I think they might he might lean on that main theme a little too much yeah. on this viewing. Being someone that now pays attention to film scores a lot more than I used to, but I love the I love the theme. Like I love the melody of the theme. And when as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh yeah, this music!" Like it, it's conjured up in my memory. Like I instantly, like, I knew it the minute I heard it starting. I was like, "Oh yeah." It's interesting because um, the um, last Mohegan's theme is or score is epic yeah. for a lot of people. My father loves it. My father is a big fan of like George area and the history up there. That's where the Michael Mann, that Last Mohican story takes place in the Adirondack Mountains, and that's st- scores of legend. And then my uh, late father-in-law, who I never met, he had a huge affinity for that score as well. So I know a lot of people love the Last Mohican score. Um, here, when this movie, uh, I think the score is great. There's sequences that are interesting, that, and I don't remember which ones, but it's almost like... There's there's cues that are almost like horror movie cues that are in sequences where it's like a reveal and it's it almost for me like plays a little weird yeah. that it's a little heavy handed where it's like like it's it sounds the cue sounds like it's going to be this massive reveal of like who uh, I don't know a bad guy is in a scene or whatever but it's played within something else where they're you know it, it just seems a little odd sure, yeah. in certain sequences but the overall I think that like you said that the the actual the, the theme of this is really good. Um, we we talked about him before on Labyrinth, and he has done a plethora of stuff. You know, he's really well renowned in in in, in uh, you know scoring stuff and all yeah, the stuff yeah. he's done. Um, I had a question for you now. How do you feel watching this movie uh, in nowadays? How do you think it holds up uh, for us or for audiences nowadays? How do you think uh, a, a audience, maybe certainly younger than us, who've never had history with this, would view this? Is this um, like on the on a on a scale, those are multiple questions. I know. But. Yeah, yeah. I think I think <clears throat> for me, yeah, I, uh, I I think it holds up great because I feel like there was a question at some point. I might have even asked you, unless I was asking myself in my head. I hadn't seen this in so long. I wonder how it holds up. You know, it's like it it did. There are a lot of these movies of that era where that question comes into play. I think because of it being a little more serious in its execution. Yeah. It's intention that makes it that I think it holds up better than say something like Demolition Man or Judge Dread, uh, which I like those movies. I got yeah. I have nothing against that that tone. For me, that works. But I'm also looking at them from a nostalgic, like I saw those in the movie theater. Yeah, they're not as dated. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's like they're more specific to the mid '90s. Yeah. 
Whereas this one, it's a you know, this one is less dated. I mean, it I has think it's an and I think it's, of the era. I think it's because of the score being kind of lush and orchestral. It's the, the, the fashion yeah. is nondescript because it's all mountain gear. So it, it doesn't date it other than the, the skydiving kids yeah. that you were talking about earlier being very 90s. Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for the most part... That's another sequence where you have them get killed and there's they turn the music, they turn the... Uh, there's no reason to kill them, but they end up just shooting <laughs> them and then they turn yeah, the sound yeah. effects off and they have the score, yeah. But, you know, up. aside from those two guys, I, you could have made this movie 10 movies, yeah. ten years later. Even the cars. I mean, the, the helicopter, the Huey, the DC-9, or the, the Learjet, he's or whatever. he's driving like a retro yeah, he's driving like something a, anyway. Yeah, That's he's got like a Range Rover or something. They're driving like Jeeps, and then later on, they both have a nice, awesome Bronco, which he gets into, which maybe is hers, yeah. which is all very, yeah, I, I think that's nondescript. There's nothing that really dates the movie, but probably because of the location. Of locations. his movies... <clears throat> I mean, of of his action movies, mm-hmm. I think this one probably has will will have dated the best, if you know, uh, yeah. if not among the best. And I think it does hold up. I mean, I think I think the stories. It's hard because it is a little outlandish with the. Or, it's a little silly, like it's the, a little extreme. The script logic and but it's also Rennie Harlan is. Well, it's the era. I it, think it's the era, and I think he's he's not. He doesn't have a light touch, and I think that's his style, and I think that's what works yeah. about his movies. So it makes those movies uniquely him, and you either accept it or you don't, and I think you're right. It's probably was more accepted in 1993 yeah. than it would be now. But I think out of his movies, aside from, you know... Uh, like Assassin's like a ro- Aside from, <clears throat> like, the original Rocky and First Blood, the ones that are, like, real dramas, yeah, like beautifully executed dramas i think this movie probably holds up then better than a lot of his catalog in terms of being dated and being able to seem uh i, I think would have been uh, would hold up better and for for an audience that is not familiar maybe hasn't seen it yeah um but also i think there's unfortunate i think we talk about it over we we likely talk about it and over the top i don't know if we do that is you know for there is like a little bit of a stigma I think about Stallone, yeah. which I think, you know, happens with maybe, you know, Rambo three and, and then, uh, things like over the top and Cobra, uh, Cobra being a little kitschy, you know, certainly a, a little more of a hyper realistic yeah, yeah, <laughs> version yeah, of, of a cop movie. Yeah. You know, a little more cartoonish <clears throat> in intention, I think. Yeah. Uh, that I think, he, and then and then with things like Demolition Man and stuff, and and Judge Dredd, I think he, I think there's a maybe a, an unneeded stigma to his movies that I think a preconceived notion that's a younger audience that maybe how will have for a Stallone movie going into something that maybe that they don't need, really need to have. Yeah, and I think you know they might go into this movie thinking it's gonna be very goofy see that's my fear would be if we went and saw this at like a film forum or other places where i've bam where people have laughed at stuff sure and well i, I mean i think people stuff. would laugh at that's what some i would of john lift yeah. over the top <clears throat> bad guy yeah. or even yeah i feel like you get in one of these snooty audiences that'll laugh at anything they're gonna it's gonna be a comedy which i hate so yeah i don't know how a modern audience would play this but i agree with you where I, it, it's um, it's fun to go back to this and then see that this actually holds up in those respects. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I do agree with you that this might be the 
the most solid of that era. I mean, although I loved Judge Dredd just fine, oh, I probably I like, like that I like, more I like than those other movies. No, but do you know, yeah. Judge Dredd, we're talking about a movie that has Rob Schneider as comic yeah. relief, and it's, you know? com- and it is, it's based on a comic book, yeah, and not, and it probably not played as closely to the, that comic book as you know other th- you know say something that's because that i don't i was never a huge judge dread reader but i don't yeah. think it was as goofy as that movie. no i think the, the one being. they did a couple years ago with the, what's this just face? urban dread. yeah that was a little more of the thing but i feel like like in assassins or even like the specialist not the specialist the specialist specialist is the one with him and sharon stone yeah like the, like though it's out of those movies that are like based in a not modern reality, I think this kind of holds up the best. Of, yeah, I think know? so too. I mean, those movies <clears throat> are, aren't pl- they're not playing uh, as much of a goofy tone. Yeah, but they're very dated. Well, and, uh, yeah, in, in like the erotic thriller aspect of the specialist, specialist, or even the assa- like the the. Uh, you know them. The scenes where like they have like a they they remember him and Miss, uh, Antonio Banderas have like a, uh, a a gunfight in the taxi cab while they're driving, aren't they? Like dri- yeah, yeah, they're yeah. jumping around. Maybe I'm getting yeah, uh, yeah. But you know th- it holds up well, and it's it's just it's, it's an, this movie is exceptionally exciting. Yeah. I think it's a very well constructed roller coaster ride of a movie going experience. Yeah, and I think if any audience that hasn't seen it gives it goes into it even with half of an open mind. Yeah. I think we'll instantly be sucked in in that first scene. <clears throat> yeah. Cuz that's first scene is like yeah, it grabs you. It grabs you. It's not played for shits and giggles. No. Like it's like this is some serious shit. And it's effective. And then, and then it and then I think if once you're grabbed, then you can let go of some of the more outlandish action that happens later on. Yeah, but I think it's a I think it's a very exciting roller coaster ride of a, of a movie, and I think it it could grab anybody that is at all willing to yeah. go with it. Not as controversial as last week's episode as well, with all the different non-political well. <laughs> <laughs> stuff going on. Well, yes, it's a little <laughs> less uh, PC. <laughs> and it's, see, it's funny because then you look at the two, it's like we're out of all this, it's like, you know, uh, climbers look at the, the other one more for, as a reality, where this is, you know, it, this chalks it up where you don't need to have it be as It doesn't realistic. need to be. I you mean, know, he's, he's got his shirt off, you know, in, in, in zero temperatures and he's fine. I mean, I understand, in, you, know, you, know, how, you know, that the, the mountain climbing and rock climbing is a, it's a culture. It's, a, it's like its own, yeah. you know, <clears throat> community yeah. and its own culture. And then when you go see a movie that's representing it, you want it to be accurate. But at the same time, like... It's hard because there's not a lot in that, you know, in that genre. Yeah. You know, and even they, I think they say Vertical Limit later on where they, I think somebody makes a leap very similar that they cut out in this in Vertical Limit. Yeah. You know, so it's like... But it's like you go see, <clears throat> you know, but it's like... I don't know. It's the same thing of going to see a Rocky movie and then complaining that the boxing is unrealistic. I yeah. mean, it's it's not supposed to be. It's for dramatic effect. Yeah. And so it's whatever they need to do to maximize for drama. Yeah. It's not a documentary. Yeah. It's a narrative. <laughs> so. Um, and then I I cited last week that there's a movie called The Mountain, which is really good. Spencer Tracy and uh, Robert Wagner. That's which, what we'll do next year. Yeah. Do The Mountain and we'll Vertical the, Limit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the mountain takes, I, I alluded a little bit to it, but I didn't realize how close to this is, where in real life, uh, in 1950, a, f- a flight from India to England crashed on the top of the Swiss Alps, or the French Alps. So that movie, and then uh, they had to leave it up leave it up there for a year because it was inaccessible. That the, you know, nobody, nobody survived. And then so that 
uh, book that the movie's based off is about two guys going up to that crat and trying to get the, they end up trying to like um, you know um, loot the dead up there uh, and then in real life in 1966 the exact same flight path uh, a plane crashed in the exact same location in route from India to freaking uh, England because of another issue and uh, it became like very scary like you know it's, it's on Mount Blanc which is uh, I said my brother-in-law climbed and he's a climber and I didn't want to talk about it last week because it didn't fit but he ended up going to Peru and having a near-death experience on a mountain in Peru where a guy got hurt he saved the guy's life uh, broke his leg and saved him from hypothermia they had to get helicoptered out of there and he won't climb anymore really because he has such PST PST to PTSD from the incident yeah. yeah where he just for years wouldn't even want to talk about how you know messed up that they got near death so it's it's a uh, it's exciting well not exciting but it's just harrowing this this whole subgenre and then you see you know these movies that that that, that play on this this era of, well yeah I mean well the, you know it's like what's the lone you know it's understandable that Stallone leaves <laughs> yeah. the mountain and the junior's like well we all stayed He's like, well, you didn't have to. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, it's like he's messed up from what happened. Well, they all blamed him for it, so they were like, guilt we were free. There. Yeah, we we're all in this. It's like, no, you weren't. I no. fucking dropped. You, you, you laid all the load on me. You <laughs> didn't have to look in her eyes yeah. as she fucking fell to her. Yeah, down. and she didn't need to put Vaseline in her freaking glove before she put her gloves on. So, uh, but I enjoyed this because, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie for probably going on 20 years it's funny that i can say i haven't seen a movie in 20 years you know we're getting to this age now yeah. uh where i still like feel like i'm a kid but we say that every episode uh and uh, it was pleasant it was fun to come back and, and revisit this i mean yeah. jesus we're on a three hour plus episode talking about cliffhanger i know and we were gonna so we had cap ma- it we, we had said two hours yeah we capped last week's so we're like we can't keep talking for, and for the most part we stayed on yeah task uh for for this kind of a thing um so that's the wrap up of uh, Kung Fu February. Kung Fu February <laughs> of, of this number year. one super month. Yeah, Kung Fu <laughs> February faster than a regular bunch. <laughs> Who? What you gonna get? We don't know because they don't know either. That next week it's gonna be something totally different. Uh, who knows what Kung Fu February will be next year? I'll we'll have to wait and see. Yes, only the gods know. <laughs> uh, and. Um, Yes. So, Dion, Baya, please tell me about your book. No, oh, I got a book, Blood in the Streets. It's out right now. You can get it on paperback. Uh, you can get it in the ebook. You can get it in a, on audiobook. Uh, it is available at Barnes and Noble. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, check it out there. It's on all social media. Blood in the Streets. It's called. If you like thrillers, historical fictions, uh, gritty cop seventies films, then you'll like this book. It's kind of just a uh, you know a gritty seventies cop movie uh, in book form. Uh, and you can find me on all social media too, Dion Baya. Uh, and if you want, you can message me. I can you know get you out a copy if you want it autographed. Um, Blake, funny enough, you you have a book as well. I do. Score to death conversations with some of Horace greatest composers. Interviewed fourteen film music composers who have made contributions to the horror genre. That is available on Amazon and from other book retailers. Also from me at scoredtodeath.com. You can contact me there or on social media at scoredtodeath. Uh, I also have Scored to Death, the podcast, which are kind of the continuing adventures of Scored to Death. Nice. He did the movie, <laughs> and now he's got the TV show. <laughs> and now we're working on the second movie, which is actually another book yeah. that'll be about just in time for Kung Fu February 2021. Yeah. And let's say now, a little behind the scenes, I'm talking to Blake today. Blake's actually, 
he's in production. He's doing the interviews. He's talking to the people. He's he's coordinating all this stuff. So Blake is actually working on it. And the last Saturday Saturday of every month, I uh, there's a, a, a another podcast that I've recently started hosting called Cuts from the Crypt that drops on the Damn Fine Network. And uh, on that one, I get to play DJ for a day, and I play music from horror movies. Sweet. Yeah. And that's a, you're in your fourth episode of that, maybe? That's, uh, I've got two posted as of when we recorded this one. Maybe the third one will be out around the time that this comes out. Uh, but, uh, yeah. so Sweet. It's uh, that one's fun. I'm having a good time with that one. It's not too labor intensive, which is important. Yeah, because this <laughs> ends up being very labor intensive. Not to mention our day jobs, and then you do your book. Dion knows. I've always liked making mixtapes. Yeah, so like I get to make a horror movie mixtape every. Yeah. Uh, Who doesn't love mixing mixtapes? You know. So like we always like to say, please support your local podcasters if you like us and dig what we're doing. Please check out. Um, our books, get our books to support us. We'd like to also thank clnsmedia.com. Uh, we've partnered with them to do some good stuff, so we'd like to thank them for the sponsors they get us, clnsmedia.com. Yes, we, we are part of the CLNS Media Network. Yeah, you can find us over There's there. There's also other podcasts. There's an 80-centric podcast yeah, over there. Sports-related uh, stuff. Some WWE yeah. or, or professional wrestling ones, and also other genres, too. Sports, yeah. uh, living uh, in politics, yeah. all kinds of different yeah, stuff. Yeah, so go there. check that out, clnsmedia.com. Uh, uh, you can find us here, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. We're on all the uh, social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And also iTunes, Stitcher, yeah, and uh, many of the other Podbean, all those kinds of places. You get your podcasts. So you can check out our Saturday Night Movie, Sleep- Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers' website to see more about us and extras. Usually we post a lot of extras for each episode, uh, you know, see how that's going. And then a uh, little so you know we'll be back in two weeks with another episode so uh until we meet again later later